Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. No, no, no. We take part ourselves. Yep. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm, by process of elimination, Carrie Poppy. We are back at the Ark. I'm back at the Ark. We're not going to talk too much about the Ark today, though, because it's time to attend some homeschooling sessions. Okay. So these won't actually be on the Ark, eh? Nope. Okay. No, nope, there's not really like a classroom environment on the Ark. It's all exhibits. It's kind of filled up and planned out for visitors. So most of this is going to be at the Answers Center where I started. Okay. Like the bus takes you in, drops you out in front of the Answers Center. So it's this really big building that has this 2,500-seat auditorium. Oh, huge. Yeah. So if you haven't joined us for the first three episodes, you got to go back or you're going to be afloat in the sea, in the flood Mm -hmm. of information about the Ark Encounter in Kentucky, a boat that they built there Uh to look like Noah's Ark where Christian parents with anxiety problems (laughs) can go... (laughs) And learn about how, yes, the world is turning on you and your family, but it's okay. You can teach your own little brand of history, science, and math and kind of make your way in this world maintaining that anxiety about the culture around you. And spreading it to your children who must be fiercely guarded from the other ideas because they're awfully convincing. Yes. When you start hearing what the opposition has to say, you're like, oh, there's content here. Yeah. I feel more comfortable digging my teeth into <laughs> this complaint because I've been there. I've been on this boat, oh, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, we used to be Christians. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We believed all this. Um, we didn't know each other then. Yeah, I was definitely a believer in creationism. That yeah. is part of my history and past. So when I read these books and hear these lectures, there's a part of me that can very easily put my head in that game. Yeah. Like you say, we're in Kentucky now as we're speaking. We've talked about the Ark in our last episode. We we went through the Secrets of the Ark tour. It's funny, a lot of people have responded to the whole boat versus ship oh, debate. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I think the best consensus I've heard is people saying, well, it also has no power. So really, it's a barge, if you're going to call it anything. Mm. It's like, oh, I like that. Yeah, okay. a barge. Yeah. And that doesn't... Uh, Roughly the, the size, size of, of a barge. barge. <laughs> yeah, that's my first association with the word barge <laughs> as well. So I'm willing to sign on to that. What, yeah, what, sounds better than boat or ship. Whatever it is, the people from Answers in Genesis have devoted much study to the Ark Mm-hmm. A field of study, I guess you'd call archaeology. Hey, that hey now. That one's not taken, so uh, <laughs> glad there's a term for it. So this whole thing was a homeschooling conference. Yes. This event. That's right. So I was at the Ark. I've told you about Ken Ham's opening speech, but then we started looking at some of the regular things at the park for everybody, the Ark Park. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, Noah's um, Park. Oh, I like it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Why didn't they just call it that? Yeah. Oh, did they not? Noah's Park. Yeah, <laughs> <Some> duh. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Ark. No. Oh, yeah. No, that's pretty good. That kind of work. Yeah, okay. mm. I mean, certainly both of these are better than the Ark Encounter. Yeah. What were they thinking? So after my tour with Tim, I did look around the Ark a little bit more. I stopped by to buy some of Ken Ham's books. They were having a sale if you bought. Well, I don't know if it was a sale or they do this all the time. But mm. like you could buy five of his signed books 
oh, for wow. 60 bucks. You'd leave pretty ham-fisted. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I certainly did. So I bought his books. I just started reading one of them. And I did some other things that we'll come back to. So we'll get a little non-linear with the storytelling. Okay. And you'll tell us about the book sometime? Absolutely. Okay, great. And I'll let you borrow some as well. I should show you what I have. Okay. So that first day, I left the Ark Park around 7.15. Mm-hmm. One of the main reasons is just that my phone was dying. Mm. Well, A, they were closing the park, but also B, my phone was at 1% when I came back to my hotel oh, room. Shit. So I'd yeah. been taking pictures all day, recording stuff. So there was evening and there was morning the first day. <laughs> Oh, and that was also the day we had just completed our Max Fun Drive. Oh, right. This Max Fun Drive was crazy. So thanks to everyone who supported us. Yeah, because yeah, you, I was you were out. On my, on my honeymoon. Right. So I was trying to take pictures from, where did I go? Keto and, you know, put them up on Instagram and stuff. Yeah. yeah it's hard to, to keep up because, you know. You're busy having sex all so, the time. So much sucking and fucking. How are you supposed to? <laughs> it's a honeymoon, How are right? you supposed to handle Instagram? Come on, people. Uh, anyway, so I... Uh, still, like, I stayed up way too late because my body was on West Coast time. So I was like up oh, till yeah. 3 a.m. And yeah, then I woke up. body kept the score. Yeah. <laughs> and then I woke up before my alarm. So I was like, I was just annoyed and peeved. Oh, I had a chance to get sleep and I didn't. Now it was like nine o'clock and I realized, oh, I have to get back like all the way to the buses, ride the bus to get to the park. I've got my first class at 930. I don't want to miss it because it's the busy mom's guide to romance. <laughs> Which I had to sign up for because everything else was sold out. You're like, I got to get there on time. <laughs> so I skipped my continental breakfast. I, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I went to the answer center. And before I went off to my class, I did. <laughs> which part of that are you laughing at? Just that you really are hurrying to get to the busy <laughs> got to get to the busy. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Okay. That is funny. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're right. This this man by himself, <laughs> very motivated. Got, got there yesterday this and grog- like, I gotta go. This groggy man stumbling <laughs> to the busy mom's guide to romance. I did stop in the answer center, though, because I still didn't have a ticket for the 11 o'clock round of events. Okay. And so I stopped by Miss Vivian. And don't yell at her. I didn't yell at her. Please, Ross, don't yell I didn't. At her. I was tempted, but I didn't Come yell. On. I was calm. Sounds like you yelled at her. And she said, okay, well, I could give you the horticulture tour. I signed up for that, actually, so I have that one. Mm -hmm. And she said, okay, well, I could give you uh, Bible in Motion. There's just one of you, right? It's like, yeah, Bible in Motion. That's like number one on my list of wants. So yes, please, please. So she made me out a ticket for 11 a.m., Bible in Motion, super excited. And then when confirming that there was just one of me, she's like, oh, but how many children do you have? And I said, just one. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> She's like, that's not that impressive, You're sir. underperforming, Yeah, yeah, mister. yeah. Yeah, you were supposed only... to be fruitful and multiply. Exactly, yeah. That's it's like a 50% addition to your household. Yeah. <laughs> if he dies, that's it. Come on. Yeah, what if he gets cholera? <laughs> so you did not homeschool your son, I noticed. I did not. And your son is... 21? He's 21. Yeah. One might say you aren't that interested in homeschooling now. Fair. And nobody asked me if I'd homeschooled him. Okay. If they had, I would have said no. But yeah, that that never came up. I guess it's just an assumption. Sometimes you talk about like, maybe one day having another kid. If you did, do you think you would homeschool that child? No. (laughs) 
He looked off to the side like, I'm politely entertaining this question. I'm not <laughs> sure why she's asking it. Of course not. Yeah, I, just, I haven't organized my life around having the time oh, to yeah. properly do that. Yeah, totally fair. Well, one thing we talked about in a prior episode was why people choose homeschool. I know that religious concerns are a big piece of it, but mm-hmm. we kind of didn't know how big. Yeah, yeah. We wanted to get a definitive answer to that. So I think I've got one for you. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear. So this is from the National Center for Education Statistics, the most recent data available. Parents of homeschooled students were asked to identify the most important reason for choosing to homeschool their child. Hmm. And the reason for choosing homeschooling that was reported as most important was environment. So issues like bullying, safety, and drug concerns. Okay. The second most common reason was dissatisfaction with academic instruction. That came in at 17%. Okay. And the third was desire to provide religious instruction came in at 16%. Okay. Interesting. So roughly one-sixth. Yeah. I am curious about how the question was asked and whether you could give more than one answer. Right. That's not clear to me from this verbiage, but yeah, yeah, and it at least it at least made the top three. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Could they select all that apply? Mm-hmm. Do those add to 100 roughly? Do they add to 100? No. 34 plus 16 is 50. 50 plus 17 is 67. Hmm. So other reasons were given, and these were just the top three, I guess. Okay. But that does make it sound like they had to choose one. I can imagine an effect as well where I, as a religious parent, might look at those and say, mm-hmm. well, okay, the religion thing is important, but I'm mm-hmm. going to pick something more yeah. defensible, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had that thought too. Hard, okay. to, hard to control for that. Interesting. Um, Did they give any kind of like overall numbers of how many families are homeschooled? So there was a 2016 survey of homeschooling demographics. That's the most recent one. Number of students homeschooled in thousands, 1,690. So I think that would be 1.7 million. Wow. Okay. Yeah. A not insignificant number. No. And just a little demographic information here. We're definitely talking predominantly white. And the parents of the students have somewhat lower educational attainment than the greater population. Okay. So 30% of these parents have finished their bachelor's degree, whereas 40% in the greater population of Americans have. So slightly lower educational privilege and attainment. Okay, those are correlated. And that 1.69 million number, that was the number of families or children? Number of students. Students, okay. So even if you took that number roughly and multiplied it by 16%, you're looking at 270,400 students ish so that's a lot in sorry in you're the, looking at how many so if you said out of that overall grouping mm. of you know, 1.69 million oh, and gotcha. you, you said it was just 16 percent who had who said this is the number one reason for religious reasons right yeah. that's still 270,000 so over yeah. a quarter million yeah students, yeah yeah that's a, a lot major metropolitan city yeah so okay significant movement thanks for uh quantifying that no problem all right so another thing that miss vivian could do is tell us where to go for all of these talks and i think i'd already known because they told us the previous day but i thought it was kind of funny that the busy mom's guide to romance with heidi saint john oh she sounds nice would be held upstairs at emzara's kitchen oh okay for the busy mom go to the kitchen (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) 
And, you know. Uh, Are all the women barefoot in it? <laughs> no, <laughs> they weren't barefoot. But uh, it, I don't know. It struck me as funny. It's also referred to like on the pamphlets as Mzara's buffet and sometimes just Mzara's. But on the front of the restaurant says Mzara's kitchen. So it's just <laughs> funny. All right, busy moms, go to the kitchen. <laughs> also, the previous night. Now, this is where I'm sure you would have gone Monday night if you had been there. Yeah. There was a mom's night out. Oh, wow. Also hosted by Heidi St. John. Oh, man. I would have had to go, but I would have hated it. And so immediately I thought, okay, mom's night out. Cool. They get to go like like kind of camp somewhere, look at the stars or something. No, also upstairs at Mzara's <laughs> kitchen. <laughs> okay, never mind. Now I'm more into it. <laughs> now I can sit down with my paper and my pen. It uh, makes me immediately picture that it's like uh, for Mormon women, they go to the, what is it, the Relief Society? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it must be something akin to that. But also I realized later that Heidi St. John had given a keynote mm. at the general session, like in that big room where Ken Ham had been giving a talk. But that was right before I was going to embark on the Secrets of the Ark mm. tour. So mm-hmm. I missed that. But I kind of realized, oh, wow, she's sort of a big presence here, considered one of their like big speakers, mm-hmm. Heidi St. John. Okay. It's a good name. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to look her up. I wonder if she has a website. <laughs> okay, well, take it easy there, because I'm going to tell you. Oh, You're going to find out okay. some stuff. Hold on, let me tell the story first, and okay. then we can talk about Heidi St. John. Okay, I won't scroll too much. C- yeah, stop okay, scrolling. stop scrolling. So I didn't know any of this. All I know is sure. Busy Mom's Guide to the Romance. So yeah. you don't go inside the buffet and then walk upstairs. There's like a little path around the left okay. and you follow the signs and there's people like at every sign pointing you in the right direction. Just, they had more volunteers than they knew what to do with. So it's like every few feet I'm running into somebody like, hello, head right over here. Hello, <laughs> you keep on going. Do the thing that you're doing already, but we'll have this little interaction. Oh, weird. It's like one of those like someone's walking through a hotel in a movie set in the 20s and they're like, right this way, Mr. Grant, right this way, right this way. And all yeah. these doors are opening. I already feel a little awkward, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, should I be here? But <laughs> none of them were quite treating me that way. So good. I walk up the stairs and there's not that many seats. Like this place isn't full. And it's where are the busy moms it, like me. Right. It looks like it could be just additional seating for the restaurant. It could easily be the upstairs area. They could put out tables and they have some long tables that the women can come sit at. So it's not like a conference room. It's not like there's like rows of chairs. It's like rows of long tables. Mm -hmm. So I went and sat between two women on the second row, but yeah, there weren't too many of us. I would say it was maybe, I don't know. I didn't get a solid camp of like 20 or something like that. Okay. So I'm sitting in the second row, just kind of. Are you the only man? Only man seated. Okay. There's some men on the periphery kind of watching who look like they're staff members. Yeah, pretty much all women. There is like a soda fountain up here, again, which leads me to think this is like part of the restaurant. So I go to fill up my ARC cup for the day, get my caffeine in through soda. And two of the spigots are broken and they have little signs on them that says, we are working to restore order in our fallen world. Please try another flavor. Hilarious. (laughs) I loved it. I thought, oh, that is so good. Very good humor. And uh, there's a slide up front that has the name of the talk. And it's sort of like just the normal font saying like Busy Mom's Guide to. And then Romance is that greeting card. Like thick and thin, loopy line. Yeah, Interrupting all my expectations with that writing. And there's a picture of who I can only assume is Heidi St. John. 
and her husband. It looks like, you know, people doing engagement photos or something. Uh Like, he's sort of smiling and looking to the side, like, kind of at her, but she's looking right at you. Uh 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 And uh, they're both wearing denim and various shades. (laughs) So, okay, all right. Are they in a field? There's woods behind them, yes, but out of focus. You know, they're in focus. The background is out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, F-stop, yeah. Yeah, it it looks... (laughs) Exactly like you would picture. She's got like kind of little longer than shoulder length, blonde hair. Yeah, very pretty lady. And so we're just sitting around waiting for a few minutes. There's kind of light music playing in the background, some kind of contemporary Christian music. I didn't quite place it. And, you know, feeling a little self-conscious again as the only man who's like a student here. Yeah. But I'm taking my notes and kind of setting up shop. And I feel like maybe there's a little nervous energy around the room. Mm. And part of me wants to be a little suspicious that like people are talking about me, but I'm not going to worry about that. Until a few minutes later, a man walks up to my table, maybe in his uh, 60s. (laughs) And uh, he says he sounds a lot like Mike Pence. Uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. He just kind of has that delivery. Former VP Mike Pence. Punctuated and soft, but firm. And he says, "Uh, you got a second to chat over here? Oh, no. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I get up, you know, jaunty, go over to talk to <laughs> just, him. Just as moms. On the side of the room. And he says, so um, typically this breakout session is for women only. And I say, okay, okay. I wondered if that might be the case. And so he says, well. We're I just... didn't want to yell at Miss Vivian, and she said I could come. <laughs> yeah. There were multiple people who saw that it was me signing up for it along the way. Yeah. And no, nobody unsigned me up for it. Vivian. But he said, well, we feel that maybe the women might feel more comfortable having an open and free conversation sure. yeah. without men in the room. Yep. And Fair. I said, you know what? totally understand that i wasn't sure if i would be the only guy (laughs) you know i do have a wife i thought maybe i'd get some useful takeaways but i don't want to hamper the conversation totally fine to leave and he said i appreciate that i said uh i appreciate that and i shook his (laughs) hand and you know i said what's your name darren oh thank you darren i i I appreciate you telling me because i could tell it was awkward for him yeah yeah for sure he had to be the enforcer but as i go to pick up my stuff put it back in my backpack kind of leave in shame then heidi st john comes up to the lectern and i feel like she was just kind of waiting like as soon as they extricate the dude we can start this thing so uh yeah so as i'm leaving i I remember she said like great guys good morning i was like guys (laughs) i'm back (laughs) just spin on your heel walk right back in i don't know she was like trying to find some way to like get them more in a more intimate grouping because they were sort of all at tables but that's all i got to see i left sure i I was out of there with my (laughs) that's great so oh it's so awkward uh but also kind of fun yeah it's fun to get frog marched out (laughs) yeah those are the moments we live for yeah okay how many things have you gotten marched out of if Mm. we count low level marching like that well certainly melissa scott scientology Scientology. the l ron hubbard birthday thing oh and scientology itself at that location the main location on the blue building oto for sure ordo templi rentis yeah um Um, not quite with the ayahuasca it just got tense at the end but we weren't frog marched out it was it was after we left that the tensions really began yeah 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 same kind of deal with the Raelians. I guess the holotropic breathwork people, we tried to go back and they were like, no, thank you. Yeah. We respect what you do, but, but no, thank you. In but the nicest nice. way ever. Yeah. 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 For yeah, sure. That guy was super cool. 
Okay, so that's four that immediately come to mind of being ushered yeah. out. Okay, we're doing pretty good. All right, well, and now we can add five to that. So there okay. we go, five frog marches. I also like the term frog march. Okay, so then I later on did what you just did, which is to Google Heidi St. John. Yeah, what's, what's up this with her? all about? Yeah, so even her website calls her the busy mom. That's uh, what she goes by, and she's definitely Relatable. busy. She heads up a group called Mom Strong International. That, <gasps> that's one word, Mom Strong. Oh, I've heard of that. You have? Are they an anti-vax group? I would believe it because she's an anti-vax individual. <laughs> okay, I know about this group. Oh, do you? I think they were connected to our anti-vax investigation oh, where we went on that really that little, speaking of marches, that little protest around Santa Monica. You know what? I kind of like it in that it closes. Uh, I was going to say what a world we live in, but it kind of like narrows the focus of the world as some of these end, yeah. ends begin to tie together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like in one of the videos I watched of her, she was wearing her Rona shirt that said oh, wow. social distancing in big bold letters, but then after social, there was a little ism. So socialism distancing. Ah, cool. And then she tweeted, a virus with a 99.9% survival rate was used to ignore our constant Constitution and impose tyranny on peaceful citizens. There was uh, dot dot dot. There was more in between, and then she said the response to COVID by our nation was criminal. It should be treated that way. So yes, she is anti-vax. Lock up the nation. Lock up the nation. Whew. Okay, so she's got that group. She's also written eight books. Wow. Okay. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm not going to keep looking on her website because I'm getting distracted. Okay, her, I'm listening. Her, her Twitter profile says she's a wife, a mother, and a Jesus girl. Oh, good for her. Author and speaker. And I like this. She has the little cross swords icon and a flames icon and then says, I traffic in truth, all caps. Hell yeah, girl. And I checked. She does not have an account on Truth Social. <laughs> you have truth? I didn't know that. Yeah. Good for you. I just go on to uh, pester Trump every now and then. Sure. That's that's pretty much it. I believe in not leaving echo chambers to echo, so I support you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Truth at me. <laughs> <laughs> I might see it in a month. <laughs> but this is exciting. She was also a candidate for Washington State's 3rd Congressional District in the last election. Whoa. Candidate for it. Did she lose? She lost in the primary. Okay, okay. She was going against a Republican incumbent who she felt was not... Republican enough. Okay. Was not Republican to her liking. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Mm -hmm. she came in below the incumbent who came below a different person for the Republican nomination. So somebody else oh, wow. won okay. the Republican nomination and went up against the Democrat who ended up winning. So oh, okay. Yeah, that one flipped. Okay. She had real thoughts on the whole red wave thing. Every time I hear red wave, it sounds like a period. <laughs> sure, yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> Every time. I'm like, uh, why are you using this? That's right. Well, the nation did not have its period. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> the nation tried. So I sit down to read about this woman. And I just go, oh my goodness, she is just involved all of the in stuff. Yeah, she's in all the stuff. She uh-huh. is a busy mom. Cool. <laughs> no wonder she's so busy. Why are you so busy? Well, you're running this organization and you're homeschooling your kids. And well, my sense is that they are now grown up, and so she's become more active. Okay. So she also has a podcast. And oh, we have a podcast. A podcast is a lot of work by itself. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, hats off to that. It's called... I mean, is, is she releasing every week? Oh, yeah, regularly. Because okay. uh, Natalie and I find that making podcasts is actually not 
that much work. Really? Even though you release weekly? Yeah. We release Even though some every... people have a hard time finding yeah, all the episodes? Yeah, yeah. Like, people tend to only find about two episodes a year, but Weird. we're making them. Yeah. What a rabbit hole uh, yeah. Heidi St. John yeah. is. I spent so much time reading uh, about her, watching, oh, happy watching her videos, listening to her podcast. When she was running for the congressional race, Yeah, I saw her list of endorsements, and the very first listed individual was... Donald Trump? Ken Ham. Oh, oh, why am I thinking <laughs> Donald Trump would endorse her? Oh, I was thinking I people mean, she would, I was thinking she was randomly making a list of people she likes and putting it on her website. Oh, you're saying who endorsed her? Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, Ken Ham, well, yeah, well, checks it, out. It's not out of the range of possibility that Trump would. Yeah, that's true. That's true. She freely says she voted for Trump twice, and if he ran again, she would vote for him again. Sure. Though it sounds like she wants others to run. Sounds like she's a DeSantis fan. But after Ken Ham, she also listed Kirk Cameron as mm. an endorsee, as was Dr. James Dobson, Mr. Focus, Focus on, on the, the Family. family. Yeah. Very anti-gay weirdo. Also, it listed a number of PACs that were supporting her. One of them was the Homeschool Legal Defense Association Action PAC. Okay. Okay. She has seven children. Oh, wow. No busy wonder mom. she's busy. She busy as a bee. She's been married for 33 years. Her husband was a pastor for a couple decades. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Um, she's got her fourth grandchild on the way, at least in the video I saw. Who knows how many she has right now. It's funny. I did see an interview that Ken Ham did with her back around the time they were opening up the first session of the homeschool experience. And he mentioned that he has 18 grandchildren. And she said, oh, well, you're ahead of me. Well, he is older, but also I was just floored because then he said, as soon as we can find a husband for one of our daughters, then we can grow that number. Ew. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> so there's some poor daughter of Ken Ham who, for whatever reason, is not married. Oh, my God. And yeah, just hearing that paternalistic. Girl, you know, if you get out, we'll talk to you. We well, if you stay in, we'll talk to you. Yeah. Talk to us if you were Ken Ham's daughter, daughter without a husband. Yeah. <laughs> we feel for you. Her listed issues. I think this was all in like Ballotpedia or some sort of like neutral political tracking website where she had submitted yeah. statements. She said her top issues were trouble coming from within our own country, parental okay. rights, leadership crisis. Bathrooms, 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 bathrooms. A federal government that gives itself more power every year. Bathrooms, strengthening bathrooms, our military, bathrooms. southern border, finishing the wall, returning the power <laughs> of education to parents. Yeah, she didn't mention bathrooms, but oh, wow. that would <laughs> don't be too impressed. <laughs> That's definitely on her short list. Yeah, sure. So, uh yeah. Oh, you've seen her talk about that, you mean? Oh, yeah, she's very against LGBTQ anything. She's in lockstep with Ken Ham on all these issues. So, yes, yeah, she has her own podcast called Off the Bench. Uh, Off the Bench? Yeah. I, is she a soccer mom? Or? I think part of it is like, yeah, get up, get active, get off okay. the bench. And I wonder if any of it is like... Let's get certain judges off the bench. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I listened to quite a few episodes, but I didn't catch her saying anything like that. Okay. I, just, I wonder if there's a double entendre there. Yeah, I did think of like a lawyer approaching the bench. Some recent episode titles include The Woke Implications of Social Emotional Learning. Okay. Finds that very dangerous. Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. More from the Cult of Wokeness in America. And What to Do with a Cowardly Church Leader. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I had Throw to- Throw him off the ship. <laughs> yeah. So the answer for that listener was find another pastor, like go to a different church. Mm, yeah. She did a lot of quoting of Jordan Peterson, Ben oh, Shapiro. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. It's just- Okay. Wow, you find such different uh, circles. In the description of that episode, she said, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, like CRT, SEL, and CSE, I had to look that one up, comprehensive sex education, Mm, are all part of the cultural Marxism that we are being forced to serve up with our Thanksgiving dinners this year. Oh, shit. Thanksgiving is tomorrow as we're recording this, and I have not made my cultural Marxism at all. I know. I'm behind. (sighs) I'm a busy dad. Yeah. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Other episodes included How to Shepherd a Disrespectful Teen, Subtopic Living with a Complaining Spouse. Mm-hmm. Also, a biblical response to homosexuality. So I'm looking Great. at these like, well, I got to listen to that one now, too. <laughs> I have to confirm this is exactly what I think it is. It was so it sad. Is. <laughs> it was. It was so sad. There was a mom who was saying, you know, I don't know quite how to feel about this, but I've decided I'm going to my son's wedding to another oh, young man. Yeah. And just going to be there for him. Oh, good for her. And oh, wait a minute. Then Heidi St. John said, No, that is not biblical. God has made it clear this is a sin. She lists a bunch of verses off the top of her head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why did this person write into Heidi St. John in the first place? Your decision was made. You're a full-grown human. This was her following up from a previous write-in and response. But yeah, I guess she was just giving her another chance to say her piece. Yeah. Maybe talk her back to the quote-unquote biblical perspective. I hope she went. Uh, Me too. Uh, And she was saying in her response to this woman, if you torture a verse long enough, it will confess to anything, which I kind of like. Yeah, Yeah, that's insightful. But that was her way of saying. Physician, heal thyself. (laughs) Exactly. You know, that was her saying, you can make the Bible say anything you want Uh to. I'm thinking, "Mm, Uh mm -hmm, think about that. Here we go. Here we go. Let that simmer. You're on your way to insight. Oh, it's over. Okay. (laughs) One thing she did admit was, We do fixate on that sin, but other sins are just as problematic. Pride, drunkenness, selfish ambition. And I'm thinking, you're a very busy mom to be worried about selfish ambition. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. We talked to the Mormons about this way back in the day, that in every little religious group, you might agree that, yeah, these are the 15 big sins, but really every group's going to focus on like four as like, for some reason, the big boogeymen. Mm. And for the Mormons, one of them is like, whether you're going to drink a Coke, you know, whether you're going to drink caffeine or uh a hot drink or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But even our Mormon missionaries admitted to us like, yeah, I see that. I see that inconsistency that Mm -hmm. like we encourage overeating and we just kind of wink about it. When that's supposed to be just as serious. Yeah. Yeah. And that same Doctrine and Covenants passage also says to only have meat in winter in times of famine. Yeah, yeah. Just pretty good advice. Yeah, we all do that. I also thought immediately of like, you know, well, what would you say about, you know, 1 Corinthians 14, 34, you know, the whole idea that women are supposed to remain silent in the church doesn't sound like you really subscribe to that one. And I'm sure she would have the responses that we often hear from people in response to that. But then you're playing that same game. You're torturing a verse until Mm -hmm, it confesses mm -hmm. to anything. Yeah. So, well, that was just for that congregation or that was just in the church. And uh, Mm -hmm, that's not what I'm mm -hmm. doing. Anyways, there was another podcast, The Importance of Obedience. Another one I had to listen to, Election Day. <laughs> and so that was her like encouraging everyone to get out and vote. And she didn't say red wave, but you know, essentially like this is our election. And then later on, she had an episode titled Red Trickle, 
<laughs> Conservatives fumble I've the ball in midterm elections. <laughs> yeah, she was just horrified, especially about California's Proposition 1, which reified our abortion rights here in oh, California. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she said she was losing sleep over that, just how horrible that was. Wow. She was saying mass mail-in ballots should be a crime. Oh, wow. Yeah, just That's like... a lot of kooky it, beliefs. It's interesting because, like, you can watch some videos with her in isolation and just be like, oh, okay, she's got some, like, kind of useful advice. She seems very friendly. And then other ones, she's just really kind of raging on mm-hmm. these social issues and repeating all of the right-wing talking points. Wow. Fascinating character. Is it okay if I scroll now? Scroll away, website. scroll away. Phew. Okay, thank you so much. Sorry, sorry. Dad. No, 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 that's okay. I see that she has a book called The Guide to Romance. Yes, okay. I'm looking at the books that she has, and she has one called The Busy Mom's Guide to Romance. Yeah. I said, well, I couldn't attend the lecture, so... I better as- buy the book. I better buy and read the book. Absolutely, I, okay. I did. Here, I'll give you uh, my copy so you can scrub through it if you want to. Oh, sure. Okay, so I'm going to read the description to our listeners. Yes. Here's how it's described on her website. Homeschooling offers parents the best opportunity to shepherd their children both academically and spiritually. Yes, it's worth it. But do you ever feel as if your life is all homeschool all the time? Do you ever wonder where the girl your husband married went? This book is for every mom who has collapsed into bed at the end of the day, looked into the eyes of her husband, and promised tomorrow she'd have time for him. (laughs) Trouble is, tomorrow finds her more exhausted than the day before. If you ever felt caught between the demands of homeschooling your children and meeting the needs of your husband, you're not alone. Read and discover how even a busy homeschool mom can make time to nurture her marriage. It's not as hard as you think. And more important than you realize. I would love it if you did the audio book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Why My Marriage Matters. It was $9.99 as a Kindle book. That's how I bought it. It's only 93 pages, so I, I blasted yeah. right through it. Oh, yeah? You read this whole thing? Yeah. Wow. Did you write a review on Goodreads? No, no. I haven't gotten that far yet, but I will. I mean, it mostly seems too specific like everyone can relate to not having enough time for the people they love and needing to pull yeah. that back but she's so specifically like Home when you are homeschooling moms. your child and it is too much yeah that's the slice she's chosen and yeah. i noticed her book was like nearly 1.6 million on the amazon list wow so. Oh, number 1.6. Yeah. Not she sold 1.6 million copies which yeah, now that i think about it would be in like a ranking of ungodly popularity it was over 1.5 million down the got list got it got it yeah you gotta globalize a little more hey she's got her audience i'm sure she's got things worked out so let's see all right so i can give you some takeaways from the talk that would have been if i had been able to okay attend. okay good yeah because nothing about this book is catching my attention at all oh wow okay yeah lots of repetition for sure. One thing she promised like up front is, uh, you know, let's just be real. And so every now and then she'd catch herself trying to put on like a positive face on something. She'd say, you know, like, well, we have our disagreements. You know what? Let me be real. We were arguing with each other. You know what? Mm-hmm. We were having a fight. There, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> this is all written down. Yeah. She's just having this conversation yeah. with herself. Okay. But, but well, it was kind of this fun. Yeah, like, yeah. We're it. having a moment here. I'm, I'm being open with you. We can let yeah, down the yeah, guard yeah. a little bit. Okay, gotcha. And she said right from the start, homeschooling moms are really good at pretending, trying to mm. act like everything is perfect and under control. Mm. But mm-hmm. just so you know, you're not the only one. Everything is chaotic and everybody else looks like they have it way more under control than you do yeah so you know all of that is nice but one really important message here is that 
of all the relationships, of course, outside of your relationship with the your Lord, Lord and Savior, Christ. of course, yeah. your marriage is the priority even over the kids. Mm, mm-hmm. So you really need to focus on your relationship with your husband. And Satan knows how important that relationship is. And that's why he'll attack it. Oh, There are many references to the temptations that will come that are usually directed at the men. Mm, okay. Of course, Porn, pornography off, yep. and infidelity. Though she has stories about women being infidelitous. Mm, I refuse to believe that. <laughs> yeah, it takes two to tango, right? No, I just think that women cannot be unfaithful. Oh, okay. That's just a thing I believe. <laughs> All right, well. Incapable. I'm, I'm happy for you. Thank <laughs> you. All right, yeah, I won't try to sway you then. <laughs> she said, I don't have any magic formula. There's no five steps to a trouble-free marriage. That's a myth. But I want you to be real about your marriage. I want to encourage you to love your husband as God designed you to love him. Mm. She had some tips, though. One tip she had was having devotions with your kids. And that's been so helpful to her. So every morning they sit down and they read the scriptures together. Mm. And then they silently write down their thoughts about it. And uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, depending on the content of the scriptures, blah, blah, blah. But She had an example of her at the time, eight-year-old son, saying, Mom, we are the Levites. God wants us to minister to the people, and he will take care of us like he took care of them. And she was just so impressed because right at that time, her husband was contemplating leaving the ministry where he'd been a pastor for so many years to become a missionary. (laughs) And so it was like, wow, it's like God was speaking through the child to tell them this Uh. is the right decision. There's no way the child could have known that this decision was in the air. Yeah. And who picked the verse the child was reading that day? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But you know, sweet story. It is sweet. It is sweet. Here's another little factoid. It is not the husband's job to meet all the wife's needs. And it was her. I agree with that. It was her mom who reminded her of that. Okay, as long as it's also not the wife's responsibility to meet all the husbands. <laughs> it's never stated that, frankly. Okay. So it leaves you to wonder. Okay. okay, cool. But at least she reminded us all that God will meet all of your needs. So God mm. is going to meet your needs. Uh, that's who you okay. look to as the homeschool mom. To have your needs met and references Philippians 4.19 for those who remember that verse. Yeah, what does that mean? Because a lot of times people I'm, do have their lives fall apart. So what does that mean? Right, right. The implication was that, you know, you are responsible for keeping your husband yeah. happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no like, remind your husband that God will take care of his needs. Right, right. That really did feel like that. Well, this one's on you, ladies. We talked to someone not long ago who had this mindset, God will provide for our needs. And Mm -hmm. then he made his whole family homeless and drove around the country and really destabilized everything. And just keep in mind, as we're talking about these bullet points from Heidi St. John's book, this is fully within a framework in her mind where the only acceptable marriage is between a man and a woman. Of course. So that's what we're describing here. And that's what the language is, is supporting. A quote she began one of the chapters with, if a woman is beautiful before the age of 40, she had something to do with it. Thank you. If she is beautiful after the age of 40, mm-hmm. her husband had something to do with it. What does that mean? He came all over her skin and now she's like <laughs> glowing. <laughs> what does that mean? It's like it's up to him after that to uh, treat her in a way that she is still beautiful. Oh. Sees herself as beautiful. Wow. So that's kind of saying like you will not be hot. Just FYI. You're not really hot, but... (laughs) Okay, okay. Oh, shit, I have one year. Hot enough for all intents and purposes. Oh, no. Okay, I'll let Drew know. (laughs) You're responsible for making me hot after July 13th. Yeah, I don't know. My wife's 41 and I think still pretty hot. Very, very uh, hot. So I guess uh, you're welcome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
that quote was attributed to anonymous. <laughs> Great. But yeah, she talks about how like magazines lie to us and give us all these ideas of what beauty is really supposed sure. to be. And we freak out about that as our natural bodies distend and do all the things that bodies do. Sure. But what she really focuses on, to her credit, not on like trying to make yourself up to look more beautiful or get Botox or anything like that. She focuses on being that girl. So that's a phrase that gets used over and over again. That girl with a capital T, capital G. And that's Hmm. the young, vivacious, happy girl that your husband fell in love with to begin with. Oh, okay. And so she's encouraging all of these busy homeschool moms to preserve that and leave little notes or do little things that show that you care. Show up for his bowling matches or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be to be that fun, flirtatious girl he remembers. Sure. And she tells a story. like good advice for anybody. Yeah. And she talked about like a time that she and her pastor husband, everybody thought they looked great and happy from the outside, but they were really struggling. Mm -hmm. And I guess occasionally when they get to a tough point, they'll go out for a coffee breakfast date together. Nice. And he said, I miss you, Heidi. Are you in there somewhere? Oh. I know. Oh, gosh. Yeah, what a thing to hear. Yeah, well, okay. But she took that as, well, okay, I got to do something about this. So was all the problem on her side in this scenario? To her credit, she points at some things that husbands need to do, boundaries they need to draw, but constantly she's sort of reinforcing that idea of the husband does the work and I heard her on various like podcasts and YouTube clips where she would say, yeah, I get it. Not everybody has the same family structure. Don't message me. I get it. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about like kind of the main case here. So at least she offers those caveats. But in the book, it was very much about like men being the breadwinner and then women being supportive. And these are the things women take care of. These are the things men take care of. So men do have some responsibilities as well. Okay, here's a list of priorities. One, prefer your husband in all things. Mm, okay. So if I guess if there's a conflict, you know, make sure that your husband uh, reaches the top. Number two. Oh, like between your husband and someone else, you'll back up your husband. Right. Got right, it. Right. Okay. Two, actively communicate that you respect your husband verbally. Mm, okay. So compliment him. Don't complain all the time. Physically, ask him his top three needs and make a conscious effort to meet them. And spiritually. I want to hear those Christian conversations, but okay. Yeah, yeah, right? Uh-huh. It's funny. In the book, she's... It's like two girls, two girls. She's very circumspect about it. There's a YouTube clip of, I think, one of her podcasts called Hot Monogamy, where okay. she, she gets a little <laughs> bit more down to like actually talking about sex okay. a little more explicitly. Okay. She doesn't describe sex acts or anything like that, yeah, yeah. but she's a little less circumspect than she is in the book. Also show that you respect him spiritually, respect his role as a leader, and then emotionally as well. Respect his role as a leader. And her example for like respecting him emotionally was realized that, you know, men tend to care more about facts. So (laughs) if you want a new car, if if he wants a new car, then don't tell him, you know, like, no, I don't want you to do that. Or this is how it makes me feel. Like, talk about all the expenses that you need for your homeschooling. So he'll he'll really, you know. Smart. Okay. Smart. I don't know that that's a gendered thing, but smart. Yeah, right. Yeah, all of this, you could easily say, well, either, you know, spiritually, maybe you don't subscribe to that as an actual need. But yeah, you could say, if there's good advice in here, it applies both ways. Right, right, In respecting someone else as a human being. Okay, number three, make time. So she's... 
talking a lot about scheduling and finding white space in your schedule mm. and leaving some of that. <laughs> Poorly named for these two white people. But okay. <laughs> Fair. Red but, wave, white space. <laughs> but meaning like the place in your schedule that Gaps. there's not anything already written. Got right, it. exactly. Make sure you're making time for him. Number four, be that girl, be spontaneous, be funny, be sexy, things that he chose to begin with. And again, we should assume that he should also be doing that, but this is not a, a book for men, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Number five, revisit your romance and little things add up. So do those little things like leaving notes in the lunchbox or on the, the kitchen fridge or the bathroom mirror or, you know, sure. buying Sweet. little snacks that they like and stuff like that. Oh, that's great. Drew got me a cool lamp. That's nice. Thank you. That yeah. was my example of him doing one of those things. Yeah. You saw it. Yeah. Drew's a very considerate guy. Yeah. So it was funny. She quoted a VeggieTales song. I wonder what Ken Ham, who wrote a blurb uh, for the oh, book, I wonder what he thought of that. Oh, boy. Oh, that reminds me. I got you something. Did you? Yeah. Hold on. I went to St. Vincent de Paul, one of the best thrift stores in LA. Okay. And they had this DVD of shorts from VeggieTales. It's like all the little interstitial ones. Ah, lessons from the sock drawer. A collection of veggie shorts and briefs. It was $2. You're welcome. If you hate it, you can donate it again. Very nice. I was looking to see if they have the one that she was referencing. I actually remembered this one because it was a retelling of the Good Samaritan. Oh, yeah. And so one of the um, asparagus Spears is uh, hopping by and sings to the person struggling on the ground. He sings, I'm busy, busy, dreadfully busy. You've no idea what I have to do. Busy, busy, shockingly busy. Much, much too busy for you. And she said that that made her crack up. And uh, she sings that all the time as the busy mom. So, yeah, I wonder what Ken Ham thought of that. Like, they're dangerous. Oh, right, right. Veggie tales, bad. Don't let them into the cultural consciousness. She talks about sex a bit and how sometimes sex is the last thing on her mind. And she said, in the 30 plus years I've been married to my husband, sex has never been the last thing on his mind. (laughs) I want to see your husband. Let's see. Let's see. See if I can get a picture here. Looks like a nice guy, at least from the little photo they had in the room there. I'm always interested in these women who make their way as like a trad wife because Mm -hmm. it's such like, you know, a sort of entrepreneurial way to see your life that feels counter to the central message Mm. of your work. Yeah. And I always wonder what that looks like actually in the relationship with this guy. You know, you're saying he's the leader, but I've never heard of him and I've heard of you. Yeah, you're running for Congress. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I I don't know what all those words mean at that point, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, who's the head of the household? Yeah, she says, to ignore the sexual needs of your husband or to reject his advances is to tear at the fabric of who you are as a couple. Don't be fooled into thinking sex doesn't matter. It does. Wow. So like if he wants to do it, you got to do it. She would probably say if you're really not up to it, at least communicate that and find some white space where you can Uh or something uh like that. Just don't ignore it altogether. Yeah, yeah. You know, to give her the the most credit possible. She does make an exception. Like if it's an abusive relationship, then we're talking about something different. Sure. Still a subjective word, but yeah. She had a lot to say about Esther. She really liked Esther as an example <laughs> from the Bible. A lot to say about Esther. She respected her husband. She didn't manipulate. She was trustworthy and a student of her husband. Mm-hmm. Okay. Esther makes her way into VeggieTales, too. Yeah. Yeah. Also, fun fact, the book of the Bible that does not mention God, God at all. God, that's right. Yeah. Wow, I'd forgotten that, but as you were saying it, like little 
piece of my church brain just lit up. She even like made a schedule of her day, like from waking up at 7 a.m. to going to bed at 11.35, just to show how busy she was. Oh. I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, Yeah, that, that would be interesting to see on someone else's life. It's even yeah. interesting when I do that for my own life. Mm-hmm. I just look at the log and then I'm like, whoa, I spent three hours doing that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boy, time. Time, man. Keeps ticking away. Mm. Tick. Mm. Tick ticking away. Mm. Only have one more year being hot. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, better enjoy it while you can. Fuck. I know. Well, then I it's up to Drew. I gotta get boudoir photos this whole year. You could still be hot. It's just it's up to Drew now. Oh, Appar- that's apparently, right. I've okay, learned. Okay, okay. Gotta come on my face. I'll tell him. <laughs> <laughs> what we established it was Uh uh-huh another one of her important messages in the book was that you want your marriage to be a cord of three strands and she based this on ecclesiastes 4 which talks about a cord of three strands not being quickly broken so Mm -hmm. you could live parallel lives where you never intersect true and good on her for knowing what parallel means and Mm -hmm. defining it accurately but a third strand in your marriage kind of looping around and keeping you all together Mm. in this lovely tapestry then you'll be far more strong. Guess what the third chord is? God. Yeah, Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Or the third strand, I should say. Okay, so if you're losing passion in your marriage, it's okay. going to be one of these three things that are missing. Okay. One, time alone with God. No. Two, time alone with each other. Makes That's more actually sense. real. Three, time for physical intimacy. Okay. All right. Sure. All right, two out of three, not bad. And then that's about the gist of that book and probably was the gist of the talk that I missed. So okay. <laughs> who knows? Maybe they talked explicitly about sex and I missed it. Maybe. Who knows? She said she has some of the most interesting talks about sex with homeschool moms. But I'm thinking, how many talks about sex do you have in your life? Yeah, I didn't yeah. see that on the schedule. Yeah, right. What's our control group <laughs> right, here? Yeah. I, I fully understand that most people desire sex lives. So that includes homeschool moms. So mm-hmm. I hope they're finding romance. I hope they're feeling respected and that their husband's happiness is not completely on their shoulders. Yeah. But there we go. I read the book. Cool. Thanks for reading the book. You're welcome. You read a whole book. Hey, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. Listen, you like podcasts, right? Sure you do. Don't try and lie to me. You're listening to one right now. So why not try a different one called R1, The Flophouse? Uh-huh. And on The Flophouse, we watch a movie and talk about it. And then sometimes we also do other stuff. It's all meant to be funny and fun, and we think you'll have a good time. And just to be clear, the name of the podcast is not Our One, The Flophouse. It's just called The Flophouse. <laughs> I do a lot of correcting Dan. The Flophouse, a lot of correcting Dan. So I wandered out of there rejected, and I sat down at one of the tables in front of the ark. So the ark was pointing like directly at me where I was sitting. Okay. And I was starting to take some notes about what had just happened. And then who should walk by? Ken Ham. Ken Ham. Oh, cool. I think I texted you. Oh, did you? Oh, Ken Ham just walked by. He had a group of nine people with him, mostly young people. And so I put everything back in my little Ark Encounter backpack and I go in to follow them. And I don't know, they probably had a minute on me, but they had disappeared. I got in the gift shop and like, where'd they go? Later on, I figured out, oh, they probably went up the elevator to the left. Because like, you know, I kind of wandered around just to see if I'm flying the wall. What's going on? What what is this group doing? Did he go up to the fourth floor? Might have, might have, but yeah, I just started wandering the arc and made my way up the ramps and did another pass. So whenever I had like 40 minutes or more to spare, I would go straight to the arc and cover more exhibits because there's just so much in there. And I was like reading every sign 
photographing every sign and exhibit. What kind of steps are you getting? Oh, massive steps. Yeah, yeah. I, I could go back and check, but I, I think I was getting like 16,000 to 21,000 oh, steps wow. a day. You wearing your Rothy's? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was yeah? wearing Rothy's. Well, I'm so glad you were wearing your Rothy's because, and this is a coincidence, Rothy's actually sponsored this episode. Oh. Yeah, that actually is a coincidence. I didn't, I said it like it wasn't. My then, segue wasn't, but... But we're in it now, and sure enough, Rothy's did sponsor this episode damn. in part. Damn. And uh, they make some fine, fine shoes. They make some great shoes. I have some Rothy's shoes myself. Yeah. I love them. You have two pairs. I have, have two, two pairs. pairs. My wife has, wife two, has pairs. two pairs. Who else has two pairs? I was just saying your wife along with you. Oh, right. Yeah. Victor has a pair. Okay. Our editor. We got to get him a second pair if he wants to be like us. Yeah, you're right. Christmas is coming. Victor, tell us your shoe size. <laughs> Rothy's makes their shoes out of old water bottles. Yeah. So this has happened to me. You ever go somewhere and you're like so, so thirsty you wish you had brought a refillable water bottle. You didn't. You end up <laughs> buying a plastic water bottle. You feel guilty about it. You're yeah. looking for mm-hmm. a place to recycle it. You finally find that. You feel a little bit better, but you still don't feel great about it. That can just become a shoe. Yeah. And you can wear the shoe. And just to clarify, do not drink water out of your Rothy shoes. Oh. They're no longer oh, water bottles. You're giving me an idea, but okay. Uh, you can try it and let us know how it went. Yeah. But holiday season's here. When you give the gift of Rothy's to someone else, mm-hmm. you show them that you care about comfort, style, and sustainability, and their feet. Mm-hmm. That's going to be us to Victor. So whether you're checking people off your gift list or treating yourself, Get some Rothy's shoes. Yeah. By the way, if you don't know somebody's shoe size, Rothy's also makes versatile bags and accessories that run from pocket-sized to tote-sized. And they're really comfy. Those folks with thin skin Mm. who gets a new pair of shoes and you put them in and they cut up your feet. You're literally thin-skinned. Yeah, right. And this is as broken in as you could possibly want from a new shoe. Yeah, it's true. You put them on the first time and you're like, oh, ready to go walking. You don't need to break them in. Pretty close. I would say for me, it reduces the break in to like 10%. Minimal. Okay. They're washable. Mm -hmm. You can stick them in the wash. Don't stick them in the dryer though. Just let them dry on their own. Mm. They're durable, but don't run them over with a tractor you're just tempting fate yeah i haven't tried that but they've held up incredibly well i've had them now for quite some time okay you've been hearing me talk about them oh all right try it only one way to find out and they make really cute shoes so like if you want a very basic shoe that you're going to be wearing to work you don't want everyone to be like whoa shoes i'm distracted now what cool shoes they've got basic shoes too but if you want something really cute because you Mm -hmm. actually want people to be like cool shoes they got those too for sure so for style and comfortable shoes Shop Rothy's. Get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash oh no. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash oh no. Hey, it's John Moe inviting you to listen to Depression Mode with John Moe, where I talk about mental health and the lives we live with all kinds of people. Famous writers. David Sedaris, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Movie stars. Jamie Lee Curtis, welcome to Depression Mode. I am happy to be here. Musicians. I am in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm talking to Amy Mann. Great to talk to you. And song exploders. Rishikesh Hirway, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone's opening up on Depression Mode on Maximum Fun. Well, Carrie, since we're talking about shoes... Yes, we are. Maybe we should also talk about mm, websites. Okay, I see where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. We should make a website about shoes. 
We You're could. Right. We could. Really. Right. Anything we want to make a website about, we can do it. But the question is, where do we do it? Mm. Do we, mm. I don't know, sign up at the local learning annex for a class on HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and responsive okay. web design? Yeah, it sounds like one smart way to do it, but ugh, it's going to take a while. Do we buy well, expensive software? Okay, that's another way, but that's expensive. Yeah, this is sounding very daunting. I don't have a lot of time, and I don't want to spend a lot of money. But I want it to be a quality product that looks good yeah that's right yeah how can a busy mom make a website okay well i've heard about this one thing okay and i i don't want like my neighbors to hear me because i don't know what like what the supply is on this it'll be our little secret yeah but i've heard about a place called squarespace.com where, Squarespace. Yeah, where you can make like beautiful websites. Oh. And they have these custom templates made by world-class designers. Amazing. I don't know any of the designers' names, but I'm just told that's true. And you can just pick one that, like a template that you like, right? You go to the site, you say, oh, that one looks like me, even though that has a picture of a Dalmatian on it. I'm going to replace that picture of a Dalmatian. It's all, you know, uh, dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I, I have a list of demands here and just tell okay. me if Squarespace happens to meet them. Yeah, okay. Um, are all of their websites optimized for mobile? Yes, yeah. Okay. I actually know that about them, yeah. Does the content automatically adjust so your site looks great on any device? Um, let me check. Yes. It's more of a restatement of the first demand, but you know, I'm particular. But also, I need them to use customizable galleries to display images and videos in unique ways. Do they do that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess it depends on what you think of as unique. But yeah, I would say, you know, looks good. Okay, and this is a must-have. I need online booking and scheduling for my classes and this sessions. This is a must have, wow. On my okay. website, do they provide online booking and scheduling for classes and sessions? Wow, your must have is so specific. Uh -huh. And now I'm surprised we started anywhere else besides Squarespace because <laughs> it is perfect for your needs. Really? Yeah, they oh have goodness. like a schedule builder and you can just put in what your hours are and then if somebody wants to meet with you, they pick that, <laughs> that white space. <laughs> that's right, see? We're learning. Uh, All right, well, if that's convinced you... Listener or next door neighbor who's overhearing our conversation, mm -hmm. head to squarespace.com slash oh no for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, what do you do, Carrie? Use offer code oh no to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. For the busy homeschool mom. So before we got distracted by shoes, I've stalked about the arc every chance I got an opportunity, some white space in my schedule, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you will, mm -hmm. and took lots of photos. So we'll come back to the arc in our next episode. But I saw like a film I'd been wanting to see inside the arc. They have a couple films that play. I take it some additional photos. But then I saw, uh oh, it's 1050. I better get back to the answer center because I've got my Bible in motion class oh, coming right. up. Bible in Yes. I'm curious to hear what this means. What's in motion about it? Yeah, yeah. You know what? Me too. And I'll say my thought when I saw Bible in motion, Old Testament, like, ooh, we're finding ways to make the Bible like feel interactive and, mm. and uh, real and tangible. And yeah, yeah. Immersive. Bring it to life. Yeah. yeah. Bible in motion. Okay. Okay. I started walking over there and, it, you know, you got to plan time to walk over to the answer center. It takes a while to hoof it. Got your Rothies. On the way, as I was getting near the Truth Traveler uh, VR exhibit, I noticed that there was like a group of guys who kind of look like Boy Scouts and they'd set up these little 
I don't know, booths, hmm. not not booths, but there, there were no like enclosures, but they had little sandwich boards with little exhibits. Okay. And the first one said, full armor of God. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> like, Ross loves the full armor Whoa, of God. Hey, it's the armor of God. We've talked about it on the podcast before for longtime listeners. You'll remember us talking about the different pieces that make up the full armor of God. It also said, brought to you by Trail Life Adventure Zone. So they've got a website, traillifeusa.com. They are a church-based, Christ-centered, boy-focused mentoring and discipleship journey that speaks to the heart of a boy. Okay. Established on timeless values derived from the Bible and set in the context of outdoor adventure, boys from kindergarten through 12th grade are engaged in a troop setting by male mentors where they are challenged to grow in character, understand their purpose, serve their community, and develop practical leadership skills to carry out the mission for which they were created. Interesting. So this sounds to me like they know about the Boy Scouts, and they know that the Boy Scouts (laughs) had to broaden their thing because they got sued. That is precisely where my brain was going. Like, we want to be the Boy Scouts, but we don't agree with the Boy Scouts. Yeah, because the Boy Scouts let girls in now and non-binary kids. We're going to do our own thing. Well, I was part of one of these groups growing up. I was in the Royal Rangers. I was a- Ooh, that's a fun name. I was a ranger myself. I had my little outfit. I Uh, was an Indian princess. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. A program that has wisely been canceled by the YMCA. <laughs> Hashtag now, canceled. Now they're called the guides, I think. So okay. they've got all the same programming. They just don't yes. make a bunch of white kids sit around and like, you know. Be an Indian princess. Yeah. Oh, we had, no. oh my God. Oh, we no. would like make, oh, like leather. <laughs> Carrie's rubbing her eyes with embarrassment. <laughs> so bad. Oh, like, no. like leather necklaces. My name was Shooting Star. And then we'd sit around and be like, oh, it's time for a podcast. Oh, well. No, no. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, no. It's like so, okay. it was just like cosplay of indigenous culture. Oh, oh my no. God. It's so embarrassing to look oh. back at. But we also learned camping skills. Okay. I remember in like fifth, sixth grade when I was assembling on Wednesday nights for Royal Rangers, you'd always have your eye on some cute girl or another and they'd be heading off to missionettes. And mm. uh, that, that was okay, the that's gr- good name. That was the girl equivalent in uh, the Assemblies of God Church. Okay, our friend Matthew, Mm -hmm. who, by the way, right now has COVID for the third time. No, Matthew. He was also... Luke Matthew. He he was an Indian guide, the boys version. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. that's a whole different story. Okay, I haven't heard of that one. Well, I'm guessing you have the right of it that they kind of created their own version so they could be a little more doctrinally pure. But their website says they have 45,000 plus members in over 970 troops. All right, I need to know that number. So it's not 980. We nope. know that. Mm-mm. Is it 975? Like at that point. Be specific. That's going to be a fun number. Yeah, 973. That's a good number. You know Maybe what? it changes often enough. They're like, we don't want to update our website. We didn't buy Squarespace. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say over 970 and we'll update it when we hit 990. I'd like to just be the official decider of this. Okay. You can always tweet at me and ask, Carrie, should I say over blank or should I just say Oh, okay. And you'll let I'll them know. I'll make a definitive answer for you. will be like, you. that's I a good number. I will be the official judge. Yeah. yeah. Don't hide it under a bushel. Yeah. Use that number. Say, Carrie, should I say 956? Or should I say over 950? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a good question. You know. And I suppose there might be clarifying questions yeah. like, is it subject I'll, to change? I will almost certainly have 30 to 50 questions <laughs> for you. <laughs> 
more than 30 Fun questions. Twitter stuff. <laughs> Carrie will have more than 30 <laughs> questions. Oh, and they're in all 50 states. So anyways, I sidled up to these guys because I was very interested. They also had a display called Iron Sharpens Iron. And I don't know if that one was sword fighting or knife mm. sharpening or what, but there was one also for rope tying or not tying. And oh, okay. They had like this. And oh, these aren't for kids. This is for anybody? No, it's for kids. Oh, it is. Okay. Oh, it was called knots and lashing. So they had this big like kind of wooden structure where you could come on up as a kid and they'd teach you, you know, some kind of knot that you could tie. Okay. So I was. And then you'd lash, like lash the wood or something? No, I, I'm guessing the lash is a motion of the rope as you're tying. Hitting something. Yeah, like ways to use the okay. rope maybe when you don't have arm reach to Mm, something. Got it. But of course, I was interested in this full armor of God. So Obviously. Yeah, there were a couple troop leaders at that station, and they had these uniforms that looked vaguely Boy Scout-like, but they were sort of like faded pea green with a black on the shoulders and bright red piping around the black. Ooh, okay. And then hats that match that kind of similar this, color scheme. This does sound a lot like the Boy Scouts, but yeah. yeah. And of course, uh, U.S. flags on their shoulders as of well. Of course. Yeah, I could see there's like a really fancy looking like, centurion helm that they have sitting there, but mm. that seems to just be a display piece. When the kids wear any of these pieces, they give them cardboard ones that are covered with duct tape. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but there's like also a really fancy like replica breast plate and there's this tower shield and there's a sword so it's your helmet of salvation your breastplate of righteousness your sword of the spirit your shield of faith i don't know i guess you have to bring your own belt of truth and shoes of peace i didn't see those (laughs) anywhere but sure enough there was a kid did you know that off the top of your head did you look at the list and you're like no shoes (laughs) well i did remember no belt no shoes but I don't know if I would have, like, most of them I can remember the names that go with them, but yeah, I okay, did have to. Okay, so we should clarify. I looked to double check. <laughs> okay, let's explain what the full armor of God yes. is for those who didn't grow up in church camp. Yeah. So there's this verse that says, put on the full armor of God, and it's all metaphorical, right? It's mm-hmm. like, this is the outfit you put on to do God's work in the world. And right. so every piece of the outfit represents something metaphorical in your war as a human against evil. Yeah, and so applicable to a group that defines themselves as apologetic, where they are defenders of the faith. Yeah. So just like, you know, as a homeschool wife, you need to keep in mind certain things that you have to do to keep your husband happy. So must you, as you defend God in the public space, you must have these items. And this word apologetic might sound like something else to other people. So apologetic means Apologetic means means never having to say you're sorry. (laughs) So in Christianity, some people feel like, I shouldn't have to explain it. Like people should just be immediately tempted by the story of Jesus and the ones who will follow are the good ones. And then other people who I think have a more rational perspective are like, no, if I'm going to be asking people to do this thing called Christianity, I should be able to articulate why and I should be able to answer questions thoughtfully. And that's where you get your Rosses and your carries. That's right. Lifting to the top of the group Take like, it seriously. like cream and then being scuffed off by better <laughs> theories <laughs> in 10, 15 years. Yeah, they often cite 1 Peter 3.15. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh mm-hmm. you for a reason of the hope that is in you. Yep. So yeah, you've got this full armor of God that's in uh, Ephesians 6. It like spells it out in the Bible. And we've joked on the podcast before that I always 
would like see these illustrations and have this mental image of all the pieces that you're wearing. But I'd think like, well, okay, you're wearing a belt, but there's nothing really <laughs> covering, it's a real your, Donald Duck situation. covering your nether regions or your legs or anything like that. So I said that as guys putting the cardboard covered in duct tape armor on this 12-year-old boy. Oh, right. I walk up and I said, you always feel like it's been missing something to cover your legs. And both the troop leader and the boy both say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But then the troop leader says, well, that's why you have this. And he indicates the the big shield. Oh, sure. And I say, okay, all right, that'll do, yeah. Cover your junk with the shield. (laughs) That could help. I'm picturing a nude person just like carrying their shield in front of their junk. (laughs) Yeah, don't hit me here. And then he said, oh, it should be even bigger like this one over here. And he points to a different one. He said, but that's too heavy for the kids to carry. He did have an answer, but I love that there was this moment of like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. We've all thought about this. Yeah. <laughs> Glad I'm not the only one. There's yeah. a problem. We don't have a solution. And of course, you know, I'm not the target audience. Again, second time this day, you know, I'm not a young boy, so they're not going to put armor on me. Mm-hmm. So I'll keep moving on to my class. I do hear him like shout out to another little family passing by like, hey, you want to try on the armor of God? And they don't take him up on it. So Aww. did you put it on? No, no. I, Too small. Well, uh, yeah, again, I wasn't the intended wearer of the armor. I'm sure if I had asked, they would have let me. I was named a squire in a forest recently, and it was clearly something that was intended for younger people, but I was still selected from the audience. Thank you very much. And was asked to give a story about how I've been patient recently, and I did. I said I had to wait for the soup down at the restaurant and I was very nice about it like a good squire yeah exactly and then some idiot next to me just goes I held a bug and I was like what are you six which she was but it was also like that has nothing to do with patience you idiot so anyway I'm the best squire at that forest this was at Santa's village clearly okay All right. Good story. Thank you. I like it. All right. Also, I couldn't wear armor because it was time to head to the Bible in motion. I didn't want to be late. So uh, I went back into the answer center and this time I went downstairs. So that's where they had like all the exhibitor booths in the big central area. But they also have all these classrooms around the outskirts. So you go down these various hallways and there's like a 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B kind of thing. So I was in room 1B and they had a little marquee letting me know this is where Bible in Motion Old Testament would be. So once we were all seated in these blue chairs, and they were just rows of chairs, probably could have seated about 80 to 100. Okay. This was probably the highest like ratio of like kids to parents that I saw. So okay. there were 22 kids, I counted, to 30 adults, somewhere in that. Oh, wow. I'll tweet at you later to ask if I should say more than 20 kids. Okay, yeah, thank or you. Or 22 kids. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll come back and edit this And episode. then I'll be like, and are you saying that you know for sure it was 22? You'll see. You because know, I'll need yeah, to Yeah, I feel that. it's approximate. So yeah, maybe I should that, say more okay. than 20. Oh, okay. You can say around. Around, okay. I, I would recommend re- around in, around your, or in about. your situation. Okay, yeah. S- circa. Yeah, circa's good, yeah. <laughs> 20, 22 kids. So my first thought was like, okay, I could have fit in. Like, we could fit more people in here. Why was it so hard to get tickets? Why did uh, I have yeah, to Yeah, I was thinking that too. But be- I guess if there's lots of talks. Miss Vivian. Yeah, and I can say now, like from how the talk went, there was no like point to capping it. It wasn't like, we can't handle more than 50 people in here or something yeah, like that. Yeah, okay. Anyways, that's just me grumbling in the background. But 
Uh, no, that's annoying because we wanted to go to the later one so I could go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. They could have accommodated more people. Yeah. You could have fit in that busy mom's guide. They wouldn't have kicked you out. Your whole Very ship kindly. is about carrying a bunch of beings and you can't let me in there. Touche. Yeah. Two by two shade. What's the matter? Can't fit another. Uh-huh. Can't let another two in. Can yeah, I, yeah. Can't I'll let us in two in by this, two. I'll stand in a cell. We should have used that. We should have. Noah didn't turn any animals away. Why are mm-hmm. you turning us away? Mm-hmm. Oh man, we had the wrong tack for this thing. Oh, shoot, too late. Yeah, I wonder how different the second session was. The original session. I wonder if it was a carbon copy of what oh, we did right. the first week. Yeah. When was that going to be? June. July? Oh, no, it was like the next days. So like, oh, okay. I was there May 9th through 11th, and then the original dates were May 12th through 14th. Okay, that's so, when Miss Vivian had her psychotic <laughs> breakdown. I assume they had all the same talent and just, you know, had them come earlier than they were going to and, and kept them through the whole thing. Yep. Anyway, so I'm sitting on the right-hand side, kind of midway, and surrounded by families, and I'm just this loner weirdo by himself. (laughs) A woman uh, with the Answers in Genesis staff shirt comes up. It's like kind of a bright Superman blue, and she's wearing her staff lanyard. She's got glasses, tied back hair, and she gives an intro, points out the exits, tells us to keep our phones on silent, but the important thing is she's introducing speaker Brian Osborne. Okay. So we've mentioned him previously because he was the guy who did the intro for Ken Ham. Oh, right. Okay. He's an author, teacher. He co-hosts Answers News. I guess it's Mm. like a regular segment they put on. Okay. And he has a master's in teaching and he taught Bible history at a public school (gasps) for 15 years. Oh. And I'm thinking, wait, what? Bible history at... So I guess maybe it was presented as kind of like, here's a secular subject, uh, history of the Bible. I mean, I I mean, I had a world religions class in high school. Yeah, I could see them making a case for that. But still, it kind of perks the ears. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, history of Bible. Okay. So his name is Brian Osborne. B-R-I or B-R-Y? B-R-Y. Brian Osborne and with an E at the end. But don't B-Y-O-B. Osborne with an E at the end. Yep. But no U, not one of those U Osbournes. Okay, we're all Googling it. You got him? Yep. Okay, yeah, good looking dude. Um, Strong features, a little bit of gray peppering the hair there. He said he was born in 77, so that would put him at 45. Oh, yeah, and uh, after teaching the high school class for 20 years, nearly 20 years, he's been teaching, yeah, should I say about 20 years or no? (laughs) (laughs) He's been teaching Christians to defend their faith, and that gets a lot of applause. And uh, he's already up there, so it's not like he came up. It's a small room. He couldn't have hidden anywhere and like popped out. Like, hey, I'm here now. So, oh sure. Here's a picture of him. So he had a light blue yeah. button-up shirt. Uh huh. He's got khaki pants. Crew cut haircut. He's got a belt of truth. Uh huh. <laughs> um, yeah, crew cut haircut. Yep. And uh, got an Apple Watch. Oh, fancy blue shirt. You know, J. Crew style kind of shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the guy who you expected this. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And he works for Answers in Genesis now for the past eight years. Let's see. So he- almost done. that's right that's exactly right so it was sweet one of the first things he said is i gotta show off my family so he put up a slide there was a a tv screen of his family so he's got very handsome family yeah he's been married for 24 years and they have a four-year-old 25 they have a four-year-old daughter (laughs) yep (laughs) four-year-old daughter looks to be adopted Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh little little, uh, african-american girl she's so cute she is and eight-year-old boy also very cute 
And so he just likes showing off what God has blessed him with. So, yeah, it was nice. That's very sweet. And he says uh, this talk that he's giving, he gives in many places. He's kind of worked on this presentation called Bible in Motion. And they've given us a handout, which I'll give to you, Carrie, of a list of 77 items, events, places... From the Old Testament. Oh, yes. Okay. In chronological order. Carrie knows where this is going I'm now. having flashbacks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you sent me a YouTube link yes. about this. I'll so, let you explain it, and then I'll tell you about my experience watching it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm looking at the sheet, but he's giving us prefatory remarks just saying, you know, we are a biblical authority ministry. We stand on God's word. We're trying to share the biblical worldview and answer the skeptical questions of this age, which is good because you and I have skeptical questions. Yeah, sure. Who um, doesn't? Any thinking person does. Then he said he taught public high school for 13 years. The introduction lady said 15 years. Uh-oh. I was just... Hand shoots up. Excuse uh, me. Fact I check. fell off the table. <laughs> I fell off the chair, just completely confused and befuddled. What do fact I... Fact check from a busy mall. What do I was make of my life? 15? Just kidding. I said nothing. That was fine. I figured it was one or the other he's probably right <laughs> he probably taught he probably knows better yeah that's probably right that she was just rounding up if she hadn't tweeted or at she had that bio from two years ago so he said that this presentation that he's developed is this method of kind of memorizing the events of the old testament mm-hmm. that, oh this is so up your alley okay <laughs> that he's developed yeah it really is <laughs> no, uh, i'm happy for you but this is my first time kind of understanding what this thing is really all about okay and yeah not what i'd think of for bible in motion but okay he said it's a chronological summary of the bible on steroids Hell yeah. I thought it was weird, like Answers in Genesis making a steroids reference, but sure. Okay. He said that he also has one for the New Testament, but I thought I could just go look it up because he pointed us at the video that I sent to you. There's a YouTube video of him doing all of these motions. Not only is he saying these chronological events and places of the Old Testament in this list of 77 that he's created, he's also doing little motions with his hands. Yeah, uh, to help you store them yeah, in your head. And most, exactly, yeah, mnemonic devices, little uses of alliteration and repetition and, yeah, body motions like, you know, Mount Nebo and you point to your knee, you know. Okay, uh, yeah. Zerubbabel, you rub your stomach because it's rubbable, you know, stuff Cute. like that. So, yeah, little ways to help young kids remember the events of the Old Testament in order. And I got to say, like, my thought was, oh, I wish I'd learned this because it's actually <laughs> kind of helpful. It's like a quick way just to sort of step through all of these very, I don't know, kind of dry passages. Yeah. If you read the Old Testament and you very rarely like kind of encounter them all in order. So it's easy to sort of like wonder, well, when did this happen? When did that happen? So yeah, I thought, oh, this is kind of useful. Well, there's 77 of them. How many do you know? Oh, I haven't fully committed it to memory, but I bet with a little bit of help, I could probably get through it. Oh, I'm certain you could. All right. How how much pie do you know right now? (laughs) Well, right now, less, but my top score is 3,200 places of pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you could could do this under 78. All right. After we review this, quiz me and we'll see if I can get through it. Okay. Wow. I would be impressed if I could because I don't think I have it that memorized. But he pointed us at this YouTube video and also like, I don't know if he saw me 
scribbling notes very quickly, but he said, you don't need to take notes or anything because you have the handout. You can watch this on YouTube. Here's the link. And you put it up on the screen. We hear that so much when people notice us. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like you don't need to do. You don't need to take notes. Store. What I'm saying is not important. Yeah. I'm glad I took notes because yeah. he mentioned many things that were not in just the motions and descriptions themselves. Oh, yeah. It's themselves. never been true. It's said to us constantly. Right. I've never been like, yeah, they're uh-huh, right. Why did uh-huh. I take all those Thanks. notes? Thanks. Scribble, scribble. Yeah. I'm going to write that you said that. <laughs> Yep, that's right. (laughs) Which I did. Anyway, (laughs) so I was just kind of surprised, though, that I tried to look for him doing this for the New Testament and couldn't find it. Mm. So have you not been teaching the class? Do you not actually have this for the New Testament? Right. Have you just not recorded it? Brian, I need to know. I want the New Testament now. Sure, yeah. Um, Yeah, New Testament sounds better. And he realized, you're like, we've got less than an hour in this class. So, you know, I'm really going to have to. Sorry, this is going to be like a quick boot camp. Sorry, we can't be too Steroids on steroids. That's right. right. Yeah. Some woman in the audience is like, oh, I come from Chattanooga. (laughs) Where did you teach? And like they start mentioning the places they went to church and stuff like, well, he very graciously (laughs) said, well, we'll have to have a little session. Talk about that at the end. But uh, we've got limited time here. If you all want to find it, just search for Brian Osborne and Bible Motions. In fact, I think Bible Motions. We'll bring it up right away. Hmm. Anyway, where that video is shot is at the Creation Museum, okay. the other property that they own. And he's just in one of the exhibits and uh, doing his thing. So you sent that to me mm-hmm. with no context. <laughs> yeah, just... And I started it and I was like, oh, this is like a memorizing thing. I thought, because you're the memorizer of the show, I was like, oh, I'm going to do it for once. So he's going to be so impressed. He's going to come over and I'm going to know all the emotions. And I'm expecting it to be like 11, uh-huh. which still sounds hard. Yeah. And I'm like oh, watching yeah. it and I'm like, okay, I'm making these up. But okay, Noah built a boat and he went on the water and he's clapping for his friends. And I'm doing them all along. And uh-huh. then like, oh, oh, wait, no, there's more than 11. Okay. Oh, there's like 15. Oh, there's like 20. Oh my God. There's like 30. <laughs> oh no, there's more than 30. Oh my god, it keeps going until finally it felt like like a hundred and my and I went through this whole journey where I was like, Ross has memorized all of these, hasn't he? And then like three quarters of the way through, I was like, it's impossible. Even Ross hasn't memorized this. And then finally it's like my whole world was becoming destabilized around me in like three minutes of this guy shouting word salad at me. This is really an adventure. Your uh, text of uh this <laughs> process made me literally laugh out loud. That that was hilarious. But little Ross would have been very excited by this. And adult Ross was also pretty excited about this. I didn't memorize any of them. Okay, fair enough. Well, to his credit, he even said, I'm going to show you this just to show you what the motions look like and scare you to death. Because he realizes... It does have that effect on yeah, people yeah, like, yeah. okay, this is a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the idea is to kind of like create these little chains and similar sounding things that kind of lead you from one section to the next. Mm-hmm. So he does the whole thing for us live in person, refers us to the YouTube video. Hey guys, Brian Oswald here from Answers in Genesis. If you took my program, The Bible Emotional Testament, these are the motions that you learned in that particular class. I'm gonna do them for you now. So you have them as a reference tool to come back to and watch and review and practice and hopefully share them with other people as well. So if you're ready, here we go. They are creation, fall, flood, nations, 4,000 years ago in Ur, Persian Gulf, tastes like salt, Sarah, Abraham, Lot, Terah, Tigris, Euphrates, Haran, Paradise, Promised Land, Mediterranean Sea, Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea, Israel, 
Ishmael, Isaac, Esau, Jacob, Joseph, Egypt, Israel, Egypt, 400 years, bondage, Moses, let my people go. Pharaoh, no. 10 plagues, Passover, Red Sea, Mount Sinai, 10 commandments, tabernacle, Levites and priests, offerings and feasts, counting the faces, Kadesh Oasis, 12 spies, wonders, dies, Moab, Moses, second law, Mount Nebo, Moses dies, Joshua, Jordan, Jericho, divide, conquer, south, north, divide, settle, 400 years of judges like Deborah, Gideon, Samson, everyone did that which is right in their own eyes except Ruth, Samuel, United Kingdom, 120 years, Saul, David, Solomon, kingdom splits, 400 years, north, south, Israel, Judah, 19 kings, 20 kings, zero good kings, eight good kings, prophets speak, shape up, or ship out, Assyria, Israel, scattered, Babylonia, Judah, exiled, 70 years, Persia, Judah, returned, Zerubbabel, temple, Esther, queen, Ezra, people, Nehemiah, walls, 400 years, Christ. There you go. Keep doing them. You'll have them in no time. See you guys. So then he starts giving a little talk on kind of these things in the Bible. And so he gives a little more context than just the names themselves. Mm -hmm. So the first ones are creation, mm -hmm. uh, fall. Okay. You're putting your hands over your head. Yeah. So he has motions. Yeah. So creation. And I don't know, his hands are floating and over his head. Steeple kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what that actually means. He didn't describe all of them. Some of them sure. were obvious. Some of them he said like, this is my best attempt at a palm tree, you know? Right. 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 Uh, so then fall and then flood and then Which looks a lot like creation. Nations. Oh, nations, and right. I remember that. Yeah, so the hands go down for fall, come back up for flood. I guess because you have an antediluvian canopy or something that's above your head. I don't know. Water mm. coming down from yeah, above. Yeah, water probably. And then nations, his hands kind of flutter out to the sides yeah. to show that people got dispersed. dispersed, right, at the Tower of Babel. So those first four were essentially everything this whole arc encounter is about is just the first four out of the 77 that's what's yeah. really important to okay. Ken right, Ham right. in this ministry yeah just thought that was kind of ironic and he lets us know why we say it was six thousand years ago because that was taken from our biblical birth certificate so in the bible it gives uh. you these very detailed so-and-so begat so-and-so right so-and-so began so-and-so and it even tells you like they were this age when this person was born and then they were mm -hmm. that person was this age when the next person was born so you can kind of put together how long this all spanned so that's why bishop james usher was able to say it was specifically i, I can't remember exactly what it was like six thousand two hundred. 80 years ago. I don't know, something like that. And like he had like a specific night. It was like October 25th or something crazy like that. That what happened? That the earth was created. Whoa, he had a specific date of the creation of the earth. Yeah, now I've got to look this up. Wow. And it's not like zero. It is not. Huh. But you know, he crunched the math. Oh, okay. It was October 23rd, 4004 BC. Okay. That October was the first 20... day of creation. Wow. He'd worked it out just from... Wait, another 20... Oh, the 23rd. We had a bunch of 21s in in our list of predicted end dates from our various people. Oh. There were a lot of 21s oh, and right. a lot of October. Yeah, good point. Like good old... Lone Star. 
Home <laughs> Homestar Runner Ministries, Homestar TV Ministries. Those people who we went to their actual end date. Yeah, yeah. And nothing happened. Oh, What's their name. It's uh, like home home buffet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was trying to think of uh, the little old dude. Oh, I can. Oh, name? Harold Camping. Harold Camping. That's who I was trying to think of. I know what you're talking about, and they had a terrible name that sounded like something else. Forerunner Ministries. Forerunner. That's that was it. it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> the man child. <laughs> yeah, October 23rd. Hey, that's like uh, Avogadro's number day, 4004 BC. Anyways, so I don't think they specifically hold themselves to that level of specificity, but that's the idea is that you can look at those birth records in the Bible and work yourself back to 6,000 years. The fall was real. All of this actually happened. The flood was real. And the gospel starts in Genesis, not Matthew. That's one of his big talking points that he gives talks about. Yeah. You said you just bought one of his books? I just bought his Kindle book as we were sitting here, yeah. Hey, okay, I I didn't buy any of his books. Okay, this is called Quick Answers to Social Issues. Okay. Here's, Here's just one line from it. It's important to note that if evolution were true, it would be impossible to coherently argue that racism is wrong. Oh, interesting. Okay, this is a point that will come up here. Because later on, he mentions that we only have one race. And Mm. they keep mentioning this. This was in Ken Ham's slides as well, when he would show these two little castles firing cannonballs at each other. One of them was the castle of secular humanism, and one was the castle of creationism and God's word. And one of the flags raised up out of the creationism one was one race. And so they seem to think like (laughs) it's a big talking point of theirs that, well, we all came from Adam and Eve, so we are all part of one race. Ah, uh, I see. It's like, okay, like no one's arguing with you. Like that's the yeah, that's... secular worldview as well, that we're all the same yeah, species. Right, right. Well, this is a this is a spectrum of pigmentation and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. So it seems like they're always trying to make the point like we're the actual not racists. Sure, sure. So okay. Oh, cool, that'll be a great cool. read for you. I'm excited for you. <laughs> I see. Isn't the Bible sexist? What's the biblical take on feminism? Are social justice and intersectionality part of the gospel? Oh. Yeah. He answers it right off the top. Okay. That's always nice. Yeah. So the question is, are social justice and intersectionality part of the gospel? First sentence. No. <laughs> oh, all right. Just no. Period. Yeah. I mean, right. he goes on. He makes that point right here when talking about Adam and Eve and how this is a real story. And he has the audience even repeat, there's only one race. You know, he asks, how many? One. And, and I thought, is this, <laughs> is this like messaging that they have for members of their community who maybe are racist? Or do mm. they think they're making a point that is somehow distinguishing itself from the secular worldview? Second thing. Guess they think they are. Okay, interesting. It just it didn't strike me that way immediately. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, interesting. So speaking of the nations and the scattering being one of the words on the list there, he said that one of the future projects at the park is to build a Tower of Babel. Oh, wow. Which I think is At Noah's funny. Park. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's just call it Noah's Park. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So the Tower of Babel is something from the Old Testament. It is a story in which people 
try to build this tower, but they're all speaking different languages because God has punished them for not being cooperative enough or something by giving them all different languages. And then they try to build this tower together, but it turns out you need a common language to do that, and they fuck it up. Is that right? It was man's hubris thinking he could build a tower all the way up to the heavens, which Mm -hmm. is so silly now that we know something about how the firmament works and Mm -hmm. that there is no firmament. You're right. Uh, There's no there there. Yeah, there's no tower that you could build that would actually reach the heavens. So, you know, what was God worried about? But yeah, essentially he needed to put a stop to this. And so he did this by confusing their language. And that's why we still call it babbling when someone's speaking in a way you can't understand. And this is the biblical literalist explanation for why we have all the languages on earth that we have. Right. There used to be one language, but God had to confuse them to stop that babble project. It's too bad, too, because that's such a good metaphor. I'm like totally down with that as a metaphor that like language will always be sort of imperfect in the way you're trying to communicate with one another. You don't want to fight so much over words that you're not even getting down to the guts and glue of the issue that you're trying to represent with the language. Mm -hmm. In that way, I think it's kind of a cool story. But instead, they're like, no, it's not a metaphor. There was a literal tower. Yeah. Well, for the Christians willing to see it as metaphor, there you go. You got yourself a nice little potent metaphor. But he had a little bit of humor about this because he said... People will ask, well, when are you going to be finished building the Tower of Babel? And he says, well, I don't think the original ever was. Yeah, yeah. Touche. That's a problem for you. you I kind of mentioned this earlier, that there was a more detailed and elaborate vision for how this park eventually should look. And here it is, Carrie. Ooh, pretty. Yeah, I'm showing Carrie a rendering a very full, like right now we have some scattered buildings. We've got the Ark. But Ken Ham's vision for this is massive. And so you've got kind of like a much bigger answer center and like a amphitheater nearby and little reflecting lakes and the arc where it is, but in between like kind of a recreation almost of the Holy Land that people can walk through. And it really does look like when Disneyland sells blueprints, like maps of Mm -hmm. Frontierland next to Tomorrowland. Yeah, yeah. Clearly he has an even bigger vision to compete with the Disney juggernaut. Uh Um, But even like the colors chosen, everything, like it feels like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure you can spot the Tower of Babel there on the map. Um, Is it that? Not that one. Oh. Big kind of ziggurat structure. I don't see it. Upper left. Upper left. Oh, this? Yeah. Okay, okay. So Got it. We'll have to post Oh, interesting. That. I think of that as like Mexican Inca architecture. I think it's more uh, kind of a Babylonian answer to that, where it's sort of using that step pyramid uh-huh. structure. But it's so funny, like you can't get that tall. You're not getting anywhere near the Eiffel Tower or the Empire State Building or uh, yeah. the Burj Khalifa. Wait. I'm just putting together what you just told me. Sorry, I'm so slow on the uptake. But so did God say, don't build the Tower of Babel? (laughs) You're getting it. You're getting (laughs) it. So they're like, we're going to make the Ark, which God was like, Noah, build the Ark. That's what I want you Uh to do. uh And then they're also like, we're also going to build the thing he specifically said, don't make. Yep. Are they also going to make like a golden calf? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) How bizarre. Yeah. What are they thinking? I know. I, I think it's so hilarious. And I mean, the story is crazy. They have a specific exhibit on the Ark dedicated to the Tower of Babel. They created a model that looks unlike 
what they have here in their future rendering and a little more plausible because you think that the tower had to be something like monumentally tall, like absurdly yeah, tall. Sure. And it looks like what they're going to build is just like a reasonable structure that's not even like... <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It's not as tall as the Max Fun building. Yeah, not notable for its tallness. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, they're telling us that humans were just as capable back in these time so presumably they could anyways yeah I see a lot of problems with them building their own Tower of Babel but hey do it that's that's very strange (laughs) I'm down maybe they're trying to usher in the end times oh maybe or create a bunch of new languages maybe maybe they've noticed that we've lost a lot of original languages (laughs) from various smaller groups and they're thinking we just need to add to the language diversity of the world noble i'm sure that's exactly what they're thinking they give and they give okay so he moves on to point five now we've moved forward in time because as we mentioned by the time the flood happens like a quarter of the earth's history has already gone by which just floors me i'd never thought of it that way so he says number five four thousand years ago just kind of reset things now that we've gone past the flood and tower of babel Number six, in Ur, just U-R is the name of the place. That's where Abram came from. Oh, is that in the Bible? In Mesopotamia, yeah. Oh, this is explaining something unrelated for my book. Okay, interesting. Very good. I'm glad we had this conversation. (laughs) Persian Gulf. So a lot of these points are about geography. A lot of them are about people. A lot of them are about events or happenings. Then he says, tastes like, number eight, salt. So that's, well, A- I guess just to remind you that you have kind of a salty desert region, (laughs) I guess. Okay. But also salt then becomes an acronym for remembering Sarah, Abraham, Lot, Tara. So these are characters in the Bible. He already says Abraham. That was the renamed Abram. God gave him that new name. Sarah was his wife. Lot, you probably all know the story of Lot. His, <laughs> You probably all know the story of Lot. You, the, you know, the guy involved with Sodom and Gomorrah who was rescued from Sodom and Gomorrah, but his wife turned into salt. Another nice little salt connection mm-hmm. there. Terah is the name of Abram's father. Then we talk about the Tigris and Euphrates. Oh, and this is important. So he orients us as he's doing all of these motions. He says to picture yourself standing in the Middle East, and I'm going to show Carrie this map here, kind of standing just a little to the side of Israel as a stick figure facing south. Okay. So he'll point around himself because he's referring to like various regions. Oh, like a weatherman. Features. Sure. Like a weatherman standing on a map. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, you're supposed to like kind of picture yourself there. So when he says like Mediterranean Sea and he makes this little wave like motion with his hands, he's pointing to the right because to that Uh. little stick figure, it's to the right. So you're also helping kids memorize sort of where these things are relative to where you are kind of standing at the borderline between what would become Judah to the south and Israel to the north in the divided kingdom. Is he mirroring for you? Because you're going to have to go the other way. He discusses this and he says like, okay, if you follow me exactly, you're going to get it wrong because I'm pointing the other way and sorry, I'm not clever enough to like relearn all of this. (laughs) So you must. So you can follow me exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So at least he sets that out. But yeah, yeah, good point. So he talks about the Tigris and Euphrates and he kind of runs his like one arm out and the other arm snakes around to meet it. And then he points behind himself and says, Haran, where Terah dies. And then the promised land is promised to Abram and his, or Abraham and his descendants. 
So that the next one, number 15. And here he says, again, God brings us the salvation message early. Remember, it starts in Genesis. It doesn't mm-hmm. start in Matthew because God tells mm-hmm. Abraham, I will bless every person of all nations through you. Okay. How do you do that? Well, you bring about a savior, a Messiah through that person's sure, line. That's one way you of could course, do it. Of course, yeah. That's one way. Why didn't I think of that? Then, yeah, he does that little Mediterranean Sea, little kind of hula dance boogie. Yeah. yeah. And then he says, depending on your denominational background, that may be a little bit too much hip movement for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so sad. There are Mennonites I know he's at kidding, the conference. But, I'm, but he's also not kidding. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then he's pointing out like some features from the area Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea. And this feels totally arbitrary, like where he breaks things up and where he lumps them together. I could easily turn this into a list of 100 or a list of 50 because sometimes he puts these things together. Yeah. Sometimes he breaks them into separate pieces. Yeah, I see that on this. Yeah. I, I don't feel like there's a, a real like ironclad rule to any of this. Yeah, I feel like this would be hard for me. Like number 23 is Joseph hyphen Egypt, but 24 is Israel hyphen Egypt. Yeah. And That's the, hard. Yeah. And when he mentions those, he does Joseph Egypt and he puts his, oh, sure. he puts his hands out walk in the walk like, like an Egyptian. An Egyptian, yeah. Sure. And he says the parents will get this reference, and we all, we all titter at that. And then Israel, Egypt, and yeah, you're moving from an individual in Egypt, and then to like a people group in Egypt. Huh, okay. Let me look at this list and see if anything stands out to me as what okay. the fuck does that mean? And sometimes like things will be on the list multiple times. So there's multiple entries with Moses. There's multiple entries uh. with Israel. One is referring to the person. One is referring to the people. I like the last one. Four hundred years. Shh. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> what? I, it's funny. I saw that on there and I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't mean what he did end up meaning by oh, that. Oh, no. What does it mean? Okay. All right. Well, I'll jump forward to that. So yeah. there's lots of, you'll see many references to 400 years. Okay. So that's just like a time period that kind of comes up multiple places in the Bible. So he's mm-hmm. found this very significant and he's kind of used it to mark the passage of time. 400 years here, 400 years of this, 400 years of that. So the intertestamental period between the end of the Old Testament, the last book, mm-hmm. you know, in the chronology of uh, the Old Testament, and the time of Christ is a gap a, of 400 years. Got it. A quiet period. And I'm thinking, is he saying shh, as in like God is kind of silent and we don't get any new yeah. books or like direct word, written word from God in that time? Yes, that's exactly what he means by that. And then Christ, who isn't, well, I would say isn't mentioned in the Old Testament, they would argue vociferously that he is indirectly. But then, you know, Christ comes at the end of this. Of course, he doesn't mention all of the apocryphal books that were written in that time or the fact that Daniel was almost certainly written in that time period Mm -hmm. uh, in the second century BCE. But uh, it's very important to their theology that Daniel was written when it says it was written during the Babylonian exile. Okay. Anyways, yep, that meant exactly what I thought it would mean. And then he hastened to clarify, not saying that God was like uninvolved in the affairs of man. He was still there. He was active uh, helping people and stuff. It's just we didn't get any written words, again, except for the books that just didn't become canonical parts of the Bible. But they are in the Catholic Bible. Yeah, the Apocrypha, the yeah. The Tobit and the Bell and the Dragon, all those other fun little, uh, you know, Maccabees, etc. These books that didn't make it into the official canon because they didn't get voted in. Yeah, our Protestant official canon, at least. Yeah. So he starts walking through 
Ishmael and Isaac, and he points to the eyes to help you remember their names start with an eye. Esau, and he rubs his arm because it's hairy. The story was like there were two mm. brothers, Esau and Jacob. Mm. Esau was like really rugged and masculine, had like lots of hair on his body. Jacob was smooth, so he touches his nicely shaved cheek. Then he gets to Joseph. That was one of the sons of Jacob, who was the one who became Israel, was named Israel. I realize now I'm talking to an audience where some of you were also steeped in the Bible growing up, and you're like, oh, I know all these names and figures, and the rest of you are going like, what's all this? Yeah, I don't know most of this. Okay. I know a lot of it, but yeah, for those who grew up Christian, like some of us really focused on the New Testament, and the Old Testament was just yeah. like, why is this here? Yeah, yeah. I, I know it's the backgrounds. I can sort of intellectualize myself around it, but it always felt like a weird interruption. It's like, important What's this for? and true in some way, but yeah, like if you're placing the little Bibles around that you give to people. It just needs to be the New Testament yeah. plus Psalms and That's Proverbs. the good stuff. Yeah. And it's written like really different. The New Testament is like letters and thoughts and philosophy mm. about how to live your life. It's all sort of like ethics. And, and, and then the Old Greek Testament. inspired. Yeah. The Old Testament is like, John had a twin and he went and he took the twin to the water and then the <laughs> twin drank the water, but the other twin died. What do you think of that? And I'm like, what? Why? Why are we talking about this? Why is the dog talking why is the axe head floating this (laughs) doesn't make any sense yeah and already like i'm seeing the utility of this because again you're taught these stories as a kid but usually not in any kind of order right and so you've got all these figures and you start to kind Mm. of work them out oh this person was roughly before this person but having this ordered list it'll help you connect it all yeah yeah Yeah. i would have totally memorized this as a kid yeah if that were a thing to do this is how you'd do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's right yeah if this is so important that we really focus on this one people group's history above all others and really could yeah instead of the akkadians or the babylonians or persians or Greeks or all these other interesting cultures or, you know, across the sea, you've got the Maya civilization, all these other things you could be learning about. No, we really focus on first century Palestine, you know, a couple hundred years before and after. I'm not going to pick on the person for whom this is fun, like Ross. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm also not going to pretend this is valuable work we all need to do. Mm, Sure. You know what I mean? So he stopped to talk about Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat. coat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His father gave him that coat, and the other brother's like, oh, I see dad loves you more than he loves us. Let's sell him to Egypt as a slave. Oh, my God. I forgot that's where that story goes. Yeah. That's not a coat story. (laughs) So he tells the story about how Joseph was so kind that when the brothers came and later on needed to borrow grain from Egypt that he forgave them and he gave it to them. Though he did pull a little prank where he had them arrested as they were leaving uh, their young, youngest <laughs> brother. But, you know, it was all in good fun. Anyway, so uh, we move on to Israel, the people, and out of 24 out of 77, we've just finished Genesis. Wow. And we're on to Exodus. Which is the first book of the Bible. Okay, wow. everything else gets a little more compressed here. So we've got a period of 400 years that they were in bondage in Egypt. Of course, archaeological history tells us no evidence of that actually happening. Right, right, right. Then you got Moses, let my people go. Pharaoh, no. So as he's doing this, you know, Moses has a staff that he puts down. So you make that little motion with your hands. Pharaoh crosses his arms across his chest to look like an Egyptian mummy and turns his head to the side and says, no. So all of these motions are helping reinforce the memorization. I mean, so the whole talk is him listing the movements to you. Yeah. And then just talking through those biblical events and giving some of his perspective on them. Oh, 
Oh, wow. Then he talks about the 10 plagues, the Passover, and how that was a foreshadowing of the cross as well. The fact that they had to kill all these poor lambs and paint their blood over their doorsteps so the angel of death would pass them and kill all the Egyptian firstborn and not the uh-huh. is- Israelite firstborn. Okay. <laughs> Carrie is... is uh, <laughs> Dissociating? <yeah. laughs> I'm just like... Uh, wondering, like, are there sharp objects in the room? How, how do you gouge your eyes out if that's what you got to do at this point? Remember the Passover door was one of those doors mentioned in the Ark exhibit as like yeah. a predecessor of Jesus and salvation. So then we have the parting of the Red Sea, Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments, the Tabernacle, yeah. Levites and priests. You remember like uh, used to do the little thing with like, here's the oh, church. here's the church and here's, here's the, the steeple. steeple. Open it up and where's all the people? Where's the people? Or depending on how, <laughs> yeah, that's a different one. That's, <laughs> oh, yeah, a, that's yeah. good. Carrie's doing the one where <laughs> the middle the fingers wiggle back and forth. that wiggles. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, depending yeah, on right. depending on how you have folded oh, yeah. your church. <laughs> automatic okay you, you can get all the people in there yeah, with the yeah, intertwined yeah. Okay. fingers here's the church here's the steeple open it up here's all the people but why are mine wrong okay so it must be like this yeah it's how you interlock oh, your digits yeah. there okay. you go Got there's it. all the people so he did that for levites and priests and then he brings his hands up for offerings and feasts and he warns us like you can't lock your fingers when you do this one because if you bring them up you'll break your fingers <laughs> so yeah thanks mm. i don't think i was going to do that but i appreciate the <laughs> bring some excitement to this doc the, the warning brian yeah yeah good bit of humor no i mean if everybody broke their fingers oh like at least oh it would you know, yeah yeah suddenly i'd be awake see how well the uh, answers in genesis first aid situation is <laughs> So he had us like kind of walk through all of them earlier, but here he has us walk through parts 25 through 36 together. So every now and then we get up and like all of us in the audience just kind of fumble around. Like, oh, I can't keep up with you. This is ridiculous. So then 37 is counting the faces. So this is when in the book of Numbers, now we've gone to that third book, 37. Into We're on 37? List, okay. In okay. a list of yeah. 77. Okay. okay. Um, uh, let me recommit. Okay. So in the book of Numbers, mm-hmm. like they take a survey of how many men are present, like mm-hmm. of the Israelites who have escaped Egypt, and there's 600,000 men. Okay. So we don't know how many women and children there are, but the estimate is always about sure, 2 cares? million people who are like wandering through the wilderness. Fuck, <laughs> fuck the women and children. If we learn anything from the Bible, <laughs> women, fuck the women, and children. women and children are secondary. <laughs> so then you get to the Kadesh Oasis. So he has this little tree flapping in the wind, an arm waving on his elbow. And Moses sends out 12 spies. So Okay, the, I'm listening. So There's a spy story in the Bible? Yeah. So okay. there, Yeah, there okay. is. So they, Here we go. they've escaped Egypt. They've wandered across the desert. And they're going to now inhabit the promised land that Israel's been waiting for all this time. Right. That was okay. promised to Abraham. And so these spies go out. And there's 12, of course, because there's 12 tribes. tribes. So one person okay. from every tribe. Okay, so they go and they find all of these big people, uh, like giants that live in that land. And they're like, oh, this is very intimidating. How can we ever defeat them? And Sure enough, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Who knows what that even means literally? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they come back and 10 of them say, you know what? Let's just go back to Egypt and give ourselves back to them. Maybe they'll take care of us. There's no way we can like fight off these giants and take over this land that's been 
promised to us, quote unquote. Oh, interesting. So okay. yeah, it's kind of like a mutiny. And so Brian wants us to know like, yeah, when you hear about like the Israelites grumbling here, like it wasn't just like, you know, we don't like the heat or something. This was like rebellion. They wanted to go back to Egypt. And then he asked the audience, who were the two out of the 12 who said that we should go forth and engage in battle? And the audience- Did you know? Yeah. But I was impressed that the audience, like, you know, like a handful of people, like four or five wow. people, immediately said, Caleb and Joshua. It's wow. Like, yep, damn. Okay. These people know their Bible. Yep. And you turned to those four young men and you were like, in 15 years when you need a friend, <laughs> I will me. be there for you. <laughs> Here's my email address. Yeah, yeah. But I was impressed, like right off the top of their heads. They didn't have to stop and think about Caleb and Joshua. And Brian said, that's why those are popular names. You don't meet a lot of people named Judas, but you meet a lot of Caleb's and Joshua's. Anyway, so because the people rebelled and were like even wanting to kill Moses and Aaron, his brother, who was the head of like the priesthood, God punished the people by making them wander around for 40 years. See, so they yes. they could have just like gone, inhabited their new place, but no, they had to rebel. And so it's like, now you're going to wander around and be confused for 40 mm. years. You're going to lose your sense of direction for 40 years. And essentially like a generation dies. It's the punishment to that generation. The next generation will go in. Then we get to Moab where Moses is given the second law. Brian reminds us that second law, which is number 43 on the list. So you got Moab, Moses, second law. That's what Deuteronomy means. So uh, then Mount Nebo. So that's where touch your knee and then your elbow. Mm -hmm. Nebo, get it? Mm -hmm. Then Moses dies. So he was punished for a different time that he disobeyed God when God told him to like hold the staff up for the water to come out of a rock. And instead he struck the stone with uh, the rod. And mm-hmm. God's like, oh, you, uh, you didn't do exactly what I told you to do. Therefore, you will not enter the promised land, even though you're like Moses and you've done a lot of great things. Oh, my God. So Moses dies. And then Joshua takes over. Moses, if God were a boyfriend, like he would be so canceled on social media for mm. being just a bully and weirdo. Yeah. He's just constantly like, do this. No, you didn't do it right. Oh, man. Let me recommend a great book by Jack Miles, who was trained as a Jesuit priest. He won the Pulitzer for this book. It's called God, a Biography. Oh, yeah. I've seen that around. And it tells the story of God as a fictional character. And mm-hmm. at the very outset, just lays aside the question, like, we won't talk about whether God is real or not. Let's just look at him in the ordering of the books in the Tanakh, the, uh, the Hebrew scripture that we call the Old Testament, and just look at his development as a character. And, mm-hmm. oh, it explains mm, cool. so much. It's a yeah, f- fantastic cool. book. So you kind of see, like, what his fixations are one after the other with our sexuality and reproduction specifically. Well, I hope someone in this room gets me that for Christmas. I guess we'll see. Okay. Ella? Ross, when you're doing your edit pass, remember, (laughs) buy a copy. By the way, this is something that people always point out when they're arguing that, well, like Moses couldn't have written all of the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the Pentateuch, by himself because, well, it talks about his death. (laughs) (laughs) So at least Huge that, hole. at least that portion had to be taken over by someone else. Of course, of course, like you know, Christians will admit that. Yeah, yeah, someone else came in and wrote the end part. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, Brian makes an interesting point I hadn't thought of before about how Moses gets like a super short eulogy. Moses died. The people wept. Joshua took over. Mm. And then Brian said he got a tweet for a eulogy. Yeah, really. He says it was always like the biggest people like who get the shortest eulogies because we're not the focus. It's God's mm, plan yes, that marches on. Yes. We just get to be a part of it. So, Absolutely. Way to yeah, t- I remember when Princess Di died and everyone was just like, well, she was a princess. Now she dead. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. Yep. That's always how it goes. Moving on. That's oh, what we all said. So Joshua takes over. That's number 46, Joshua, 47, Jordan, Jericho. So we make the little motion of the wall coming down. That's where that happens. Then divide, conquer. And then he points to kind of like where the different parts of the the Israelite group goes south, north, divide, settle. That part's kind of confusing to me. But he does address how like they're killing all of these other people groups to take sure. over their promised land. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I only have three minutes and I need to teach you a movement for it. Yeah, yeah. But he wants to address the philosophical problem here like murder in the room yeah exactly why would god tell him to kill all those innocent people and like how do you answer that when people ask you yeah and then how do i mime it for you Uh, yeah he didn't do this with motions okay he said well first of all we're all sinful and the Mm -hmm. consequence of sin is death is death that's right carrie Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) we all deserve death and god is the perfect judge and he decides when that will take place i disagree so he decided all those people would die, including the children and the women and the animals. They had to like kill the the, all the animals. And the animals too. Yeah, like come on. Saul will come up a little later. But like the thing that got Saul, the first king of Israel, in trouble was that he didn't kill completely everything. He kept some of like the animals alive and the plants and stuff. And so God punished him said, like, you will no longer be king because you didn't completely destroy. This is an like actual despot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, very bad. Worse than just a a bad boyfriend. Yeah. Okay, so he says, number two, the Canaanites were far from innocent. So this is kind of like the argument for the pre-flood people and why they deserve to die. He said, like, they were doing all these awful things. Infant sacrifice. By the way, we have that in America. It's called abortion. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. (laughs) You got it, Brian. You got it. Cool. That's a sentence you can say and you did it. (laughs) But this was post-birth sacrifice and their atrocities that I won't even mention because there are children here. Wow. It's in the Bible, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. This thing that we're memorizing all of this detail about, I guess maybe he thinks he has some additional extra biblical research on that. Anyways, he's like, it's horrific. It was so bad. So if we could have seen that happening, we would have called for someone to intervene. They just had to go. They were judged by God. And God uses nations to judge other nations. And that's, you know, where wars mm-hmm. come from. So there right. you go. That's his little explanation because, uh, yeah, a lot of murdering happens in here. You know, I, I guess maybe I'll preempt some messages here. Not to call out the Israelite people themselves. Other nations were killing and ransacking and doing horrible things to other nations as well. Mm-hmm. This was a people problem. Sure. Uh, but we just happen to be zoomed in on this particular storytelling. So then you get your 400 years of judges. So it's not a monarchy yet. We don't have a king of Israel. So you've got... Deborah, he kind of does a little flip of the hair in the back. He says, if you know, you've got long hair, you can do that, but it'll look weird if I flip my hair. Gideon, and he motions wringing out a fleece. That's mm. uh, one of my favorite little stories. Samson, and he flexes his arms and says, you can choose whatever power pose you want, you know, to be Samson. And everyone did that which is right in their own eyes, except number 57. Oh my God, 57. Ruth, we're getting close, Carrie. Uh, he puts his hands <laughs> over his heart because yeah. it's a love story. 
Samuel and emotions pouring out like some oil because he anointed the first king. Okay. Which he said is another image of Christ to come because of the anointing. Okay. Okay, sure. Then you have a united kingdom for 120 years. So he makes a little like one with one hand, a two with the other hand, and then like slides it over to make a zero. So you remember the 120 years of the United Kingdom. But not the United Kingdom. Not the United Kingdom. They're not Just involved in the story kingdom. at all. Okay. Unless you talk to a particular cult that finds Britain highly involved in the biblical narrative. I bet you can find one. Oh, there is one. Oh, okay. So the people then say they want a king and God warns them through Samuel, you don't want a king, but apparently they get what they want anyway. Because we get Saul. He has the problem that we mentioned. He's deposed. Then you get David. A man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. And watched br- a lady bathe. Right. Yeah. Bathsheba. That's uh-huh. right. And killed Tom. and killed her husband. So he could knock her. Yeah. So he could add her to his list of wives. And- <sighs> yeah. So Brian stops here to say, like, I've always wondered, like, why David is said to have had a heart after God's own yeah. heart. Yeah. Um, have you, Brian? Because he did some pretty bad stuff. But you find. How long did you wonder about it? <laughs> Good question. I don't know, but he has the answer now. You find the answer in the pattern of David's life. Mm. When he was confronted with his sin, he repented. Mm. Uh, So he did a very basic thing all the Christians are called on to do. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, right. Okay, many other people have repented, but also he's a man after God's own heart. Does God repent of anything? No. Oh, right. And also- point. I guess after the flood, he's kind of like, I'm sorry, I won't do that again. I won't do exactly that again. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah. Well, every now and then God can be talked into things like, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And then Abraham's like, well, what if there's like, I don't know, 40 righteous people? I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'd save uh, it for I this many. Know. Well, uh, what if uh, what if there's 12? You know, whatever the numbers were, he talked him down. But obviously- Very moody guy. They did end up getting killed. But I was immediately thinking, something that's always bugged me is that they say multiple marriage polygamy is wrong. But David... Wait, who says it's wrong? Like the... Mainstream The the church in general, but answers in Genesis specifically, like makes a point, like it's wrong. So they're saying like when confronted with his sins, he repented of them. Nathan, the prophet, comes to David and confronts him after the whole killing Uriah the Hittite, sending him to the front of the battle so that he'll die, so that David can have his wife Bathsheba. But he doesn't confront him for all of the wives he has. Like, Mm. hey, maybe you shouldn't have so many women. Maybe you don't need this many women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They never confronted with that. Anyway, so Solomon is the next number on the list. Brian talks about how he asked for wisdom and he was wise in every way except in regards to women because he also had many wives and he brought in wives from other cultures who worshipped other gods and he started to worship those other gods. So, Mm. oops, Solomon, not very good. Then there's punishment because of the worship of other gods. The kingdom splits. Again, 400 years. Okay, 64. Kids need to know all of this? Yeah. Why? Yeah, well, you know, the Bible is very important. We focus a lot on this one book. Okay. This one book made out of 66 books. Uh, Okay. So then you've got north and south. You've got the division of Israel and Judah. And he keeps pointing back and forth because you're standing on this map as a stick figure. And behind you is the northern kingdom, Israel. And Mm. in front of you is the southern kingdom, Judah. So 19 kings behind you, 20 kings in front of you, zero good kings behind you, eight good kings in front of you. And then the prophets now speak. So weird how God deals with like a whole people groups instead of individuals, but yeah, this is what you have. You get Just you, a voice in you the sky. suffer for whatever your king did or some prophet or something. Anyway, so then the prophets come and they speak, shape up or ship out. And yeah, I want to know about that moment. Like, is there just a voice in the sky and everybody turns heavenward and they're like, "That's God." You do have 
very rare instances of that, like where God shows up as like a cloud or a pillar of fire or something that like everybody can see and kind of acknowledge. Usually it's in the form of some guy who's a prophet and he's like, God told me this. Right, right. And I am saying it to you. Right. So you have all of those books of the prophets in the Bible. Because if God's speaking to people out of the sky, like their job of believing in God is a lot easier than mine. Yeah. Like they'll say that God spoke to them. Like Moses says that God spoke to him out of a burning bush, but no one else was there to witness it. Right. Oh, too bad you weren't there with me on the mountain when God was speaking directly to me. And then like God speaks out of the whirlwind to Job. So there are stories where God audibly speaks. Burning bush is actually an interesting example. I'm thinking about my psychopathology class at Harvard. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And how like there's this one feature of listening that is a suggestion of psychosis proneness. Hmm. And I have it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So like if you hear What's the indicator? If you hear like your own name in the wind or in water. Oh. That's like a suggestion of it. So the way you react to it is obviously the most important thing. If sure. you're aware like Oh, that's oh weird. my, my ear brain does that is thing. doing this. Yeah. yeah, my ear does that thing. And my ear does do that thing, but I've just hmm. never had the reaction of Oh no. Like the faucet's talking to me or whatever. Wow. Yeah, I just don't have that. Wow. Thank goodness, right? Wow, what a line to tread, yeah. Yeah, but I'm fine. Okay. Hey. I uh, do sometimes wonder, though, about, like, the time that I thought I was haunted mm, and the CO. Like, I'm like, oh, maybe I was, like, uniquely vulnerable to a situation like that because I have madness in the family. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, know thyself. Yeah. That's the first step. That's cool that you have the tools. That's right. All right, so then this is where Israel... And Judah get the smackdown, essentially. And so Assyria overthrows the Israelites. If you looked at it from a secular perspective, you could just say every now and then you lose a war. But this is always interpreted in terms of like, oh, well, God is punishing us for X collectively as a people group. Mm. So Assyria overthrows the northern kingdom. Assyria, Israel, scattered. That's number 69. 69. I know you like that number for some reason. (laughs) Then number 70 is Babylonia. So a couple hundred years later, Babylon overthrows Judah. That's the southern kingdom. So they're exiled. And then you've got 70 years, not 40, but 70 years of captivity. That was foretold through the prophet Jeremiah. He makes the point here that Isaiah also named a pagan king from Persia by name hundreds of years before he was even born. And he asked the audience, do you know who that was? And two people answer immediately. Two homeschooled children? Adults, I think, were the ones who answered. But Okay, sorry. Tell me the question again. Okay. Isaiah named a pagan king from Persia by name hundreds of years before he was even born. Wow. We've mentioned him. (laughs) We mentioned him on the podcast before because Trump has been called like the return of this figure. Oh, wow. Fubi (laughs) Quants. That'd be great. Cyrus. Cyrus, my grandfather's name, which is I'm sure what distracted me the last time you told me. Okay. Okay. Well, he was helpful because he was the king of Persia and he conquered Babylon and said to all the Israelites, like, yeah, you can go back if you want now. Mm. So, um, you know, he was someone who was a pagan king, you know, not a believer, but he did a good one. He did a solid for the Jewish people. So Mm. um, that's kind of how people say like, well, Trump is obviously not like a shining example of a Christian, but God has chosen him to advance our cause. Mm, So he is like Cyrus the Great, essentially. Right, I see, I see. Fun way to weasel out of that situation. So again, I was impressed, like, oh, these people know their shit. But also, like, 
they probably don't know that Isaiah is not thought to have been written by one person named Isaiah who wrote the whole very large book. It was probably written in like three or four passes of multiple authors who added additional sections. And the passage in particular was from chapter 45, which was written much later, like probably around the time of that captivity, probably Mm. by followers of Cyrus or like people who knew him or of him. You know, he was already a contemporary figure and they added to the book of Isaiah. So that's a better explanation rather than the first Isaiah having written about this in 740 to 700 BC. Sure. They have very different views about the biblical authorship timeline than I do. Anyways, I digress. Yeah, me? Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Lots of digress. You digress. I digress. All right. So then Persia leads to Judah returning. Then you have Zerubbabel. You rub your belly. Rub the belly. Okay. He builds the temple. And Brian says, no significant like spiritual meaning to Zerubbabel rubbing your belly. That's just to help you remember a weird name. Then you have Esther, and he kind of stirs an invisible oh, pot. Oh, stirs like a, like a witch's cauldron. And okay. he says queen, and he puts a little like tiara on his head. Then you've got Ezra, another one of the prophets, people. So he just gestures at all of you, referring to the multitude of people. Nehemiah, he touches his knee again, walls. So he's involved in building walls. And then you've got finally number 77. Here it comes. 400 years. Shh. Christ. Christ. And we've already talked about that. Dear Lord. We've taken little breaks to practice these throughout with the hand motions and everything. Oh my God. And he says, okay, now let's do them all together. No. <laughs> You're going to like, no one can say you didn't burn calories in this class. So we like step through and we're all just like kind of fumbling to stay up like two steps behind <laughs> him because yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's way too much. Um, Memorize my idiosyncratic thing. <laughs> and it takes about two minutes to do. That's how long he takes to do it. And we all clap for ourselves. And he recommends a book called 10-Minute Bible Journey by Dale Mason. And Mm -hmm. I find out that's just another staff member of Answers in Genesis who wrote like Mm -hmm. a daily devotional to kind of go through the major points of the Bible that would sort of help buttress this system that he's taught us. And he says, okay, well, that's it. Feel free to ask anything. And there's only one question in the room. It's from Ross. It's from me. So I said, I'm just curious. There's a list of 77. seems like you could have made it longer or shorter. Were you trying to like aim for a holy number, kind of like Luke did with Jesus' yeah. genealogy from Adam to I wondered that yeah, when I saw 77. Exactly. The Bible 77. loves seven, yeah. And you know what? I didn't think of this till just now, but he was born in 77. So oh, that could have been a good answer too. Totally. But he said, well, it wasn't that well thought out. I do like the number seven. So that may have been an inspiration when I did this years ago go but yeah he didn't have any like interesting uh, work on your story brian could be a much better story (laughs) but he said yeah no theological significance to that so that was bible in motion old testament hey well so you went to kentucky and watched a guy move his hands around (sighs) yep yep okay thank you well that's plenty of uh, me telling about homeschooling classes (laughs) but there's more okay do we have to memorize in the others nothing to that level that's for sure that's good but i will say like young me would have been all on this would have totally memorized all of that well, I guess old me did too. I don't know. Maybe should we like put up a poll somewhere? Like if people want to hear more homeschooling classes next or get back on the arc? Sure. Um, is, anyone, is anyone still on Twitter? Yeah, people are on Twitter. All right. Here, should I do it right now? Sorry, everybody just got your Mastodon accounts. Now we're making a Twitter poll. <laughs> well, we should do it after this episode releases. Then they've, oh, they've yeah, had a flavor right. of homeschooling. And Good then they, point. they can let us know if they want to hear more Good homeschooling point. classes or if we should head to the arc next. Okay, so the next homeschooling classes will be... 
to choose your own adventure. Water, the miracle chemical. Oh my god. <laughs> that sounds so boring. <laughs> yeah. It okay. is. Okay. All right. <laughs> critical thinking Great. skills. Oh shit. Teaching okay. critical thinking skills. Okay. And teaching science from a biblical worldview. Oh, okay. Okay. That would be what we'd cover in okay, that, okay. the next homeschooling oh, episode. Oh, we'd get all three of those. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for going. Thank you for memorizing. Thank you for being so strange. You're you're welcome. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for getting Brian's book. You'll have to let me know what things you learned from oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The transgender movement has taken the Western world by storm. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> oh, speaking of God. which, oh shoot, you know I missed. I should have said in the last episode to go see Strange World in the theaters, but I bet it's still there by the time this comes out. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Your Disney movie. Yeah, we're recording today, November 23rd. That's the day that uh, Strange World came out. Is it good? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. And if you stick around to the very, very bitter end, you will see my name in the credits. Aww. It has a lead character who is a young LGBT youth. Oh, sweet. This will only reinforce to this crowd <laughs> that we have an agenda, that we are trying to corrupt the minds of the youths. But we're just trying sure. to tell a very nice story about a family with a father, a son, and a grandfather. Yeah, different ways people experience life. That's right. Yeah, that's what art's for. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Huh. Exactly. Huh. So hope you all learned something from it. I'm uh, sure we will. And I am going to memorize every piece of that movie and then repeat it back to you with hand signals. Good. Yeah. No, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. All right. Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. This episode was edited by the very patient Victor Figueroa. Thank you, Victor. And you can support us by becoming a family member at MaximumFun.org slash join. Yes. We're both Maximum Fun supporters. Mm -hmm. We support other shows on the network. Join us. Yeah, you'll be part of the family. Make this stuff happen. It feels good. Yeah. And remember. You want to test me on it? Um, Really? I don't know if I can actually do it. Okay. Are you just going to do an order and I'm going to watch it? See if I can do it. Okay. Uh, The hand motions won't be exact. Okay. Creation, fall, flood, nations, 4,000 years ago in Ur- in the Persian Gulf, tastes like salt. Sarah, Abraham, Lot, Terra, Tigris, Euphrates, Haran, Terra dies, Promised Land. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mediterranean Sea, Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea, Israel, Ishmael, Isaac, mm-hmm. Esau. Jacob, mm-hmm. uh, Joseph, mm-hmm. Egypt, mm-hmm. Israel, Egypt, mm-hmm. 400 years bondage, mm-hmm. uh, Moses, let my people go, mm-hmm. Pharaoh, no, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. 10 plagues, mm-hmm. Passover, yep, that was 30, okay, mm, Red Sea, mm-hmm. Mount Sinai, uh, Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. Tabernacle, mm-hmm. Levites and Priests, something in Feasts, um, Offerings and Feasts, mm-hmm. okay. The next one's kind of an evocative phrase. Oh, oh, um, uh, Counting Faces. Mm-hmm. Counting the Faces. Counting I'll the, count it. Counting the Faces. Um, is it something that rhymes after that? I think we're done rhyming. Okay. Oh, well, no, it kind of rhymes with faces. Okay. Counting the faces. And it's a little, it's a near rhyme. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, Kaddish Oasis. Mm-hmm. Aha, uh-huh, okay. 12 Spies. Mm-hmm. Wanders, Dies. Mm-hmm. Moab. Mm-hmm. Moses. Mm-hmm. Second Law. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Moses Dies. Mm-hmm. Wait, is it Mount Nebo? Yeah, did you not say that? Yeah, Mount Nebo, then Moses dies. Yes. Oh, oh then yes. Oh, Sorry, I missed it. Okay. You probably think I'm now not policing you, but I think I really did just very briefly lose it. Okay, that's okay. Joshua, Jordan, uh, I think it just says Jordan, not Jordan. Mm-hmm. Jordan, Jericho, mm-hmm. Conquer. No! No, wait, divide, divide and conquer. Yes. Divide, conquer. Okay, I'll let it pass. Divide, conquer. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, this is difficult. We're at 50. Oh, goodness. Okay. South, north. Mm-hmm. Divide, settle. Mm-hmm. Goodness, <laughs> it's really tough. Um, it's amazing that you have any of this. Mm, so it's like a time period now. It is four hundred years of judges mm-hmm. like Deborah, mm-hmm. Gideon, mm-hmm. Sam, Samson. Mm-hmm. Everyone did that which was right in their own eyes, except for Ruth, mm-hmm. Samuel. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I feel like there's a number 12 here or something. Wait. Um, oh, wait. United Kingdom, 120 years. Mm-hmm. Saul. Yep, that's da- 60. Okay. David. Mm-hmm. Solomon. Mm-hmm. Kingdom divided, 400 years. Mm-hmm. Kingdom splits. Yep. 400 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see here. Oh, oh, is this the whole thing with like the um, north, south? Mm-hmm. Okay. North, south. Israel, Judah, mm-hmm. 20, no, 19 kings, 20 kings, mm-hmm. zero good kings, eight good kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, prophets speak out. Prophets, prophet, wait, am I missing something? Okay. Um, You're kind of scrunching it. Well, the gist of it is like the prophets say better shape up or ship out. Yeah, prophets speak. Shape prophets up or speak, ship out. shape up or ship out. Prophets speak. Okay. Next one is 69. Hey, okay, so that's... Um, and it's got ass in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Assyria, yeah. Israel, <laughs> uh, scattered. Yep. Babylonia, mm-hmm. uh, Judah, exiled. Mm-hmm. 70 years. Mm-hmm. Persia, uh-huh. uh, Judah returns. Uh. Okay, then we have Zerubbabel, mm-hmm. temple. Mm-hmm. E- Esther, mm-hmm. queen. Mm-hmm. Ezra, people, mm-hmm. Nehemiah, walls, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we're on the last one, which is uh, 400 years, shh, Christ. He did it! Hey! He did okay. it! Something's wrong with him! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what sign of psychosis is that? <laughs> oh, my Lord. No, right. well, it's really impressive. I mean, and it's obviously a taught skill, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're really good at it. Well, uh, well, Brian's really good at it. He taught me. <laughs> yes, thank you, Brian. He taught me well. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.